Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's feature is like my ex-boyfriend, Nightmare and Paranoiac. Suck it, Larry. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Don't even remember anything. Oh. Like, I don't remember the segments of the show. You know, you know about our smooth openings. <laughs> I seem to recall. Lord. Take one week off. Pure chaos everywhere. Well, if you could stay healthy once in a while, we wouldn't have to miss it. Well, I'm sorry. I technically was healthy by then, but my voice was just destroyed. That's okay. I couldn't make it last week anyway, so. Shambles. Everything fell apart. (laughs) You people. (laughs) Noah, just sitting alone at a mic waiting for us. Yeah, I did. Like he's like, so I, I'm, I'm assuming we're not, we're not doing anything. It's really lonely. <laughs> I did feel the, bad. The good news is my taxes are done. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Just sitting there with headphones on, doing his taxes, guys, <laughs> guys. It's like I feel so unloved. I might as well try to get something from the government. <laughs> girlfriend comes in she's like you do you need to have your headphones on to do the taxes they could show up at any minute (laughs) shut up this is my asylum of sadness and i'm listening to depeche mode leave me alone i'm doing my taxes to send into a government that's shut down anyway what's the difference hey we're back open but you weren't last week when noah was doing his taxes while sitting there with his headphones on temporarily and we probably won't be open in a couple weeks. Yeah, no. <laughs> sweet, sweet temporary success. Because <laughs> the great negotiator was able to make it, so the government was reopened with him not getting anything he wanted whatsoever. Fucking moron. <laughs> <sighs> it's protecting oh, you from vicious caravans. <laughs> I felt pretty American this week. We had uh, we had like terrorists in my town this week. In your town? 
Yeah. Oh shit. Did you, I mean, did you pull a John McClane and like try to save everybody? Crawling through air shafts and stuff? Pulled more of a diehard five kind of John McClane where I just stayed home and didn't put any effort into things. <laughs> is that is that the one where you drive a helicopter or drive a car into a helicopter somehow? I don't know, it's the one where I put no effort into my acting. <laughs> that's all I know. You're like, what? Is that a paycheck? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I allowed the people in charge of arresting terrorists to arrest the terrorist. What are they trying to do? I don't know. I think he's being charged with encouraging other people to set off bombs. I don't think he was actually going to do it himself. Well, that's a stupid way to get arrested. <laughs> it's, it's not even cool. <laughs> I told a guy he should totally set off a bomb, and then I got arrested for it. I imagine it's more complex than that. I think you, we have weird crimes in our town. Like we just, it just came out now that there was, uh, there was like, what, what do you call it? Like swatting where you get like police to show up places. No. And there was, there was this whole like week where the cops just kept getting called to all these different schools because of like supposedly credible bomb threats and they would shut the schools down and lock everything down and then there'd be nothing. It turns out it was a kid from England just fucking with our local police department for some reason from around the world. <laughs> it's like, uh, so they're like they put out like an arrest warrant, but they're like they're like we're not, like we're not going to extradite a teenager from England. So we have an arrest warrant. If he ever comes here, we're going to get him. But I'll teach you to pretend to be an independent country. <laughs> it's very strange. See, it's ironic that you felt American because I felt pretty fucking Canadian. This polar vortex bullshit. Freezing <laughs> my dick off. Yeah, it's it's been really sucky here. Oh, it's we we're getting it here too. So yeah, with wind chill, it was like negative fifty yesterday. I don't know what that means. So well, that means it's really <laughs> fucking cold. And then by Sunday, it's supposed to be fifty degrees. So that would be like negative ten. That, mean, that means in less than a week there's going to be a hundred a hundred degree uh, temperature shift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I don't know what your degrees are, so it doesn't matter to me at all. <laughs> well, we we have switched to Kelvin now, just to make it even more that, complicated. That's good. That's helpful. We did have the joyous thing of like one day my car wouldn't start, so I had to like and the, the way my driveway's set up, you can't really boost the car if it doesn't start like so we and my car was blocking in my girlfriend's car so we had to call the auto club and wait around for them to come and boost the car with one of those little packs so then the next day we're like well we'll definitely park the cars in the in the other way anybody want to guess how that turned out (laughs) (laughs) so we constantly have one car that runs but it's trapped in by the car that doesn't run jesus and they're gonna have to go out and get like extra long jumper cables or something. <laughs> Why don't you leave, just leave both cars out and see what happens? Well, I, it's because currently the way they're parked is the only way we can legally park them. Oh. Okay. Well, so if you want to get all serious about it, I guess. <laughs> so we're not, not allowed to leave cars on the road here because they usually need to plow. Oh, well, right now my car's in the driveway. Usually it's not. So, yeah. If I don't, then I just box it in with snow, and then I can't leave. So, which is pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. 
motherfuckers. No, yeah, it was like horribly, horribly cold. And then today it's like, well, it's going to start getting warmer. But guess what? It's going to start snowing. We had the one day where it was like the frigidly cold temperatures and like a foot of snow. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's bullshit. Cause it's supposed to not snow when it's this cold. What is happening? <laughs> and I got to go shovel in the cold. Yeah, fuck shoveling. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, if if it had snowed yesterday or the day before, I would have been like, nope, call it in. Fuck, fuck them. Fuck work. <laughs> fuck the outside. I don't know what you did. You're quieter again. Yeah. Oh, I think it's because I moved the microphone a little further. Oh, yeah, that's better. That, that will do it. You need to strap that sucker to your face. Do you remember, like, a while ago when we told Noah he sounded fine, and then he started moving the microphone and adjusting it again? Anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's fine right there. Okay, I'll adjust it more. No, you're, well, that's not what fine is. <laughs> the, the issue is that I can't find my microphone stand, and this is a dynamic mic, so, like... It's like a handheld, and so I'm literally holding it, and slowly it drifts away from my face. It's <laughs> my manly, manly arms get weak from holding this two ounce <laughs> microphone. So you hear that, people? If you ever want to fight Noah, just make him hold a microphone for a little while beforehand, and then he's all tuckered out. If you want to win a fight against me, all you have to do is like punch me or kick me. Or push me really hard. <laughs> He's like, ow, stop it. Ah, why? <laughs> why are you doing this? <sighs> That's Good times. I like how that we had two we had the week off, so we have two weeks worth of like interesting pop culture news that could have come up, but we're just all discussing various ways to injure Noah during a fight. <laughs> <laughs> well I think this is more of a uh more of a conversation you'd rather have than anything else. Yeah, I'm happy about it. Before we move on to our ridiculously specific topic for the week. <laughs> that specific. It's just Hammer movies. It's it's Hammer movies directed by Freddie Francis, written by oh, Jimmy Sankster. I didn't even realize they were directed and written by the same person. <laughs> They're both they both take place in large British like almost entirely in one large British house of a rich family. They both involve people who have been away and come back. They both involve they both involve somebody who brings a nurse to the house to help someone else, but really they're banging that nurse. <laughs> they're, they're ridiculously similar films. Oh. But after we're done, after we are done the Noah thing, we'll move on to that. <laughs> yeah. So all you gotta do is kick Noah really hard in the shit. <laughs> I don't think it would kick him that hard. Just a little bit, I think, would do it. (laughs) Well, I I really only have two settings. I mean, I have fold and uh, fight to save my life. So you you just want to hit me hard enough to hurt me, because then I'll just quit and cry. But if you hit me a little bit harder than that, then I might have to stab you, because... (laughs) We've established you can't hold your two-ounce mic. You're not going to be stabbing anybody. You're like walking towards somebody with a knife, and then you got to take a break and put it down for a minute. Well, the trick is you again. You got to use a heavy knife so that the weight of the knife carries through with a downward stroke. Yeah, yeah but you're not going to be able to lift your arm. You're going to be doing that thing where it's like asleep, and you're trying to like 
throw your hand up to knock the knife out of your out of your scabbard off your belt. <laughs> what? On what earth do I have a knife that goes into a scabbard? Hey, you never know. Seems like something you would do. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that sounds like something someone outdoorsy would do. Maybe. I mean, I have kitchen knives. I don't know. I thought maybe it was a prop for your D&D nights. I have, I, a, cur- I have a curved paring knife. They're pretty I, scary looking. Based on, based on your Facebook posts, I think you're actually like weird enough that you might have the little thing so your kitchen knife hangs off your belt when you're walking around so you have it with you at all times. <laughs> just just, just because I this conversation doesn't make me sound pathetically enough already, but uh, that doesn't sound safe. So, Well, I think they, generally they are closed off, are they not? So the knife, the blade isn't exposed while they're hanging off your belt. Man, that's just, that's not the way you do things. Use a magnet <laughs> knife board with a good grip. I can picture you like going to set, like going to start dinner and you walk in and you have one of those Dexter like rollout things with all the different kinds <laughs> of knives. Uh, funny story, I used to have one of those. Like, no, no yep. joke, like the rollout knife kit. Yeah, then I accidentally walled it up inside my go bag, and it's can't, can't get it until it's time to make the run for the airport. <laughs> At one point, I actually had a Des- uh, Dexter S like rolling suitcase thing, like uh, filled with knives. That was pretty fun. <laughs> Do you have blood slides in your air conditioner? I, I, I do not. You do know that things you say in this podcast can be used against you in a court of law, right? Like I went, I went to culinary school. <laughs> it was my backpack slash knife kit. Yeah, Dexter went to blood splatter school too. But look what happened there. Te- technically, everybody at the school had a creepy Dexter rolling suitcase filled with knives. Yeah, sure, they did. That feels like something somebody would say when they're like leaning towards a, an insanity plea. It's like, no, 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 I saw lots of these. <laughs> sure he did. Turns out he was the only one there. This whole school shut down like three years ago. <laughs> it's, it's all cobwebby and he's in there believing he's getting taught. <laughs> Yo, I'll tell Bundy, I'm defending myself. <laughs> Just cut up like hobos and stuff all the time. <laughs> Just kidnaps a hobo every day on his way to class. I brought my ham in. <laughs> table in the empty room. There's cobwebs everywhere. That pig has a fur. Mm-hmm. I don't, we don't know what that means because it's cut out like three times in a row. <laughs> it's, it's probably best. But yeah, that's probably better for everyone. Just we, we just heard that pig has a fur and then it like cut off. So you're probably right. Whatever the listeners are imagining is probably way better than what you actually said. <laughs> True. <sighs> All right. Well, we should probably get into it. <laughs> I guess. We might as well talk about movies on our movie podcast. Uh, Doug, why don't you tell us about, uh, I don't know, which one should we start with? Uh, which one was first chronologically? Paranoiac. Well, right, well, why don't you start off with Paranoiac? All right. Paranoiac is, uh, well, the setup is that there's this family, like very well-to-do family in 
England, and the mother and father died in a car accident. I think it's eleven years before the story starts. Yeah, um, they have some years. weird ceremony at the church every year, which is weird. No, it's not that weird. If you go to church, they do that where they hold like masses for people who had died on the anniversary of their death. Really? Yeah, they do that. I used to go to church. I've never had any of those. In like in at the Catholic churches I've gone to, you can just like go in and say, "Can today's mass be for this guy that died like forty years ago?" And they go, "Sure," and then they just say that at the beginning. I think yeah. you, you probably have to like make a donation, I assume, but I don't. I don't know. Weird. Anyways, so yeah, it's it's like the anniversary of their death, and it's revealed that their son supposedly killed himself. I think it's like three years after they died on the anniversary of their death. So it's like this really tragic day and everyone in the town loved this family. So they're all sad about it, even though it was a long time ago. And uh, so the eldest living son is soon going to inherit all the money because he's been living off the trust this whole time, but he'll get all the money on his whatever. I think it's like his birthday or whatever. It must become mm -hmm. his 21st birthday or 18th or whatever. All the actors are 31 playing young people. Um, Especially Oliver Reed. He looks like he's 40 already. Yeah, I, I was but, getting ready to say for the 60s, they all look like they're 45. So it's, it's it's yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be young, but he's not. But he, when, whatever age you are when you get your money in England in the 60s, that's how old he is uh, about to turn. So um, And his sister, who is, still lives in the house with him as well, but she's still super fucked up about this because she was close with the brother who died. Um, and all of a sudden the brother shows back up and says like, Hey, I wasn't dead. I just wrote a suicide note and went traveling for a long time, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but the sister wants to believe it really badly. So she just immediately does. Everybody else is a little more skeptical and they start putting him to the test. Uh, they call in the family lawyer who's in charge of the trust. Um, and would he'd be the guy that gets to decide whether a portion of the proceed of the estate goes to this guy or not. So he seems to be passing all the tests. Um, I don't know how spoilery we want to get in our plot description, but it's revealed pretty early in the movie that no, he's not the brother. He's actually working with the son of the lawyer. And that's why he knows the right answers to all the questions to convince everybody that he is the son. And it's just a scam to get the money. Uh, and so basically it turns out that uh, him doing all this kind of draws out the crazy in this family and mm -hmm. the the older brother who's like kind of a drunkard and stuff just starts going more and more over the edge because he seems to be he seems to know that that's not the brother um, whereas other people are gradually becoming convinced and the big reveal comes that as the older brother starts trying to kill his sister and his potentially his brother, eventually the reveal comes that he knows for a fact that that's not the older brother because he murdered the younger brother and the younger brother didn't commit suicide. And everything gets real fucked up at the end. It's also <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it gets real messed up where like the uh, the sister who's kind of gone insane has already tried to commit suicide at one point in the movie because she fell in love with the guy who she thought was her brother that wasn't her brother, which is fucking weird. Um, it didn't fully understand that it wasn't her brother until after they kissed a little bit. 
Yeah, that's it's like uh Yeah, basically okay, so the way that scene played out was that she's making out with her brother, then she's like, Fuck, I shouldn't be doing this. I better just go kill myself. And he's like, Wait, don't kill yourself. It turns out I'm a con artist, I'm not really your brother. And she's and like, like, Oh, oh that's okay. What it's a like, relief. Woo-hoo. Oh, that's that's way better. I'm glad to know that. Thank you for sharing that information with me. <laughs> I'd, I'd really like to say the part where you said things get real fucked up. Can can we talk about that? There's a scene in this movie where the aunt is dressed up like the murdered brother in a weird, creepy baby mask and like a onesie, yes. while while the drunkard brother plays an old rusty organ in a weird abandoned chapel in the house inside of which there is creepy mummy brother. <laughs> oh, I, I just figured the listeners would glean all that when I said things got real fucked up. That's, that's what I'm, I'm talking about. Like, I, I get that it's a Hammer movie, but this is, this is real fucked up for the 60s, man. <laughs> It's okay. They burned down the church with half the family inside it at the end of the movie. What's the problem? I was gonna, I was gonna well, say. the insane sister could get up and walk out at any time, but she chooses to stay in the fire with the body of her deceased brother. Not the one she's in love with, the actual brother. Oh, Lord. I fucking yeah. really liked this movie, just so we're clear. It's not clear from my description. That was the right level of fucked up for me at the end. I'm I like, did too. Because the ants all dressed up actually tries to, like, injure the fake brother at one point. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, shit, this is getting all slashery. This is going to be great. You know, it only happens once. But the visual is still really fucked up. And you're just like, what the fuck is that? What's going on? Well, in that visual of her in the weird white... What the fuck is that thing? Rain <laughs> slicker it's, gown. It's onesie. like a it's like yep. a choir, choir boy uh, outfit, uniform. Something weird in in this fucking baby mask, and it's thoroughly modern looking. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you saw a modern day slasher and you mm-hmm. saw the killer wearing that outfit, you'd go, "No, oh, yeah, that's about right." <laughs> yeah, I'll tell I you, wasn't like... expecting it in the sixties. When, when I googled this movie and I hit images and that popped up, I'm like, oh, that must be from some other movie called Nightmare. I'm going to try to watch that too because that looks pretty cool. <laughs> I had no idea it was from this movie until it popped up. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> at the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is just going to be a little thriller. Like, a, is he or isn't he the brother? Like, that could be an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why that couldn't, you couldn't make a whole movie out of that, especially in the 60s when movies tended to move a little slower and stuff and then the reveal comes that okay clearly he's not the brother I'm like well this is we're only a half an hour into the movie and they're telling us the end of the mystery what are they going to do next how are they going to stretch this out <laughs> oh then, turns out Oliver goes crazy and the yeah. only way to placate him is to have the aunt dress up as the dead brother while he <laughs> broods over an organ in a rundown chapel yeah yeah, seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the movie is heavily dependent on the performance by Oliver Reed, and it's great. Yeah, so, he was fantastic. Like it, it because he's so good in the role. It's like okay, so he's he starts off just being this like normal, like spoiled, drunk, rich kid, and then you're like, uh, okay, yeah. he's a complete dick too, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, 
And I'm like, I'm enjoying that, but there's not much of a, like a character there. Mm. But then when he, as he starts to go more and more insane, you're like, good, let's see where this goes. Because <laughs> as he goes more insane, he doesn't drink less, he drinks more. <laughs> Which is always a nice touch. I, I do like the roller coaster of them making you feel bad for him because you're like, oh, he's an insufferable dick. And then you're like, oh, no, he's just a sad, broken, like crazy person. And then you're like, oh, no, he's a sad, broken, crazy person that's an insufferable dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, like the opening scene where they're coming, they're coming out of the church. And he's like, oh, why don't you give your sister a ride or whatever? And he's like, she can ride with that expensive nurse you pay for, and then hops into a sports car and like peels out of the parking lot. <laughs> it's the it's, uh, the the mask that was dedicated to his parents' memory. Yeah, and then, that nurse of whom I am fucking. Yeah, <laughs> but anytime opens the door, anytime they open the door and see them standing together, he just immediately makes some crass remark about her, like "fuck you," and then just like walks out of the room. Because well, the implication is that he's fucking the nurse and therefore trying to manipulate her into having the sister committed to a mental institution so that he can have all of the inheritance. Because if she's in a mental institution, <laughs> she won't get any. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> it doesn't seem right, but it seems right to him. I do like the, the interesting idea that his character, you know, he killed his brother, which... They, they make it clear was premeditated. Like, he thought about it for years, waiting for the perfect moment to kill that brother. Kills him. It fucks him up in the head because he killed his brother. But then, like, even though he's all fucked up in the head, he just has no reservations. He's like, yeah, I'd kill the rest of if I got the fucking chance. <laughs> totally worth the nightmares. Well, it's pretty sick, too, like... For a '60s like thriller film to have him not only have killed his brother but like forced his brother to write the suicide note before he killed him, it's like that's dark. That is that's some sick shit. Yeah, I was kind of surprised how dark this movie was. But yeah, and it's, it's like we said, it's '63, so I was like, ah, oh, this will be some like stuffy British suspense movie. Because like you, I thought it was going to be like, well, is this the brother? Or is this not? And then yeah. Turns out that's not an important point at all. It's what I do like about the movie is that like nobody's a decent human being in the whole movie either. Mm-hmm. So as people are getting killed and stuff, you're like, oh, I don't, like, I don't really feel bad for that guy because he's a con artist. I don't feel the guy for that guy because he's a murderer and she has mental problems. But then again, she did try to sleep with her own brother when she thought that guy was her brother. So I don't really <laughs> like her that much. The aunt, I'm not sure what her deal is here, but I know I don't like her. She just seems mad at everybody. Like, the closest thing to a human being in this movie is the lawyer. And yeah. nobody likes lawyers. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so ultimately, what did you think, Noah? Because we, We've definitely said that we definitely liked it. Did you enjoy this movie? Oh, no, I liked it a lot. Uh, yeah. I was kind of surprised, because usually... I don't like the earlier Hammer stuff as much as the uh, the later stuff, but but this is pretty fucking awesome. Well, this is like a lot of people when they think of Hammer, the you know you think of the bright, colorful cinema, and you think of like the that fair amount of cheese that gets like piled into those Dracula movies and stuff, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the reputation of Hammer horror, but. 
these movies are like neither of the movies we talked about today are anything like that. They're very much more traditional horror films. They're both black and yeah. white. So it's almost much more like Hitchcockian type films. Yeah. See, I was thinking it played off, uh, especially with the acting and the set dressings and stuff. It was a lot more, you know, because Hammer was basically uh, writing the coattails of like the Universal movies. Yeah. And it definitely is closer to that original intent of trying to make movies like Universal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Because it looks like it and feels like it. The later ones, you know, more feel like somebody watched Universal movies and was like, nah, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) They can do that better. By the 70s, what Hammer was doing was very different from anything Universal had ever done. (laughs) I think both of these movies were actually distributed by Universal, too, which is interesting. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the opening thing is... uh, Because I have... You know, they put that, like, eight disc blu-ray set of the universal monster movies out yeah and then later they also did an eight eight disc set of the hammer movies so they got some of the dracula and werewolf movies and stuff but these two are both on it so they look super awesome like remastered and all that stuff and um yeah they both have the universal they call it universal international logo at the beginning yeah so I don't know. Is there, is there much left to say about this film? I mean, it's. I think the atmosphere looks really well. It works really well. I like the the setting, like the big old town, and there's those big cliffs that only seem to exist in the UK. That where the <laughs> the ocean is for some reason like hundreds of feet below the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's a good setting. Nice, like giant gothic houses, like we were mentioned yeah. before. The kind of like this kind of a movie, it sort of suits that. It, it does still have that feel of the old timey horror movies that always seem to take place. It was always like the rich upper crust people that were the characters for some reason, um, and yeah, so they were set in these big mansions, and I, I, I like that atmosphere. I think it's just a different uh, version of like the '80s. You know, in the '80s, it was kill all the young people because they're young and we hate them. And, yeah. Uh, I think back then it was kill all the rich people because they're rich and we hate them. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think there was certainly a certain amount of like in fifties and sixties horror. I think there was a certain amount of just like portraying upper class people in a in a very negative light. Like not only are they killing these people, but it's like they're all fucked up, right? Like I said, there's not really any respectable human beings amongst the bunch, and therefore it's uh it's kind of like for an average audience that maybe is frustrated with the way they're being treated by the upper class, they can go into this and be like, yeah, fuck those people. See, they think they're better than us, but look at them. They kill their brother and bury him in the wall of a church, which is generally speaking frowned upon, I believe. <laughs> Come for the baby mask, stay for the mummy in the wall. All right. Well, Noah, why don't you tell us about nightmare? Uh, so Nightmare is about a girl who's having some troubling dreams. She's off at school. Uh, the dreams get too bad, so they send her home where her nightmares expand, and she starts having nightmares about this random woman. And all sorts of weird shit goes on. Torment, torment, torment. She goes to her birthday party. Lo and behold, guy's wife turns around and looks at her and it's the cr- woman from her dreams and she goes crazy and stabs her to death Ooh. 
Uh, we immediately find out that husband and her nurse aide person. The fuck yep. was her job? Yes, she was. She was her caretaker. Something. She was. A, she was a nurse, but the she was operating under the guise of being there just as a friend. So mm-hmm. that the the girl that like the girl with the nightmares and stuff. She didn't know that that was a nurse that was hired to watch out for her. She thought it was just somebody was coming to stay with her so that she wouldn't be alone in the house. Okay. Yes. Uh, so we immediately find out that they have basically been intentionally tormenting her and pushing her to the edge in order to get her to kill the wife so that they can get rid of her and take her house while getting rid of the wife at the same time? Yeah, the idea was to get her to kill it's the wife. fucking convoluted. But... <laughs> Yeah, the, the concept is you get her to kill the wife, and then the wife's gone, and this chick gets sent off to the asylum, and therefore you get to live in her big rich house, because if you're yeah. the executor of a state and the person goes to an asylum, you just get the house, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying that it's stupid, because if you think about it, like, as, as a chess move, man... <laughs> they nailed that shit. They really stuck that landing. <laughs> like they got everything they wanted. Uh and then that scenario plays out again for the second half of the movie. <laughs> in which that's clearly what's going on from the beginning. I don't did you guys ever think for one moment it was anything else? No. Yeah. This so, movie was uh, much more predictable than the last one. <laughs> Yeah so, yeah, so basically it's the same thing, only this time instead of nightmares, his nurse lady is driven mad by all of this overwhelming evidence that he's cheating on her with some mystery woman, although he keeps insisting that he's not. And then she finds out that the girl escaped from the insane asylum and that they've partnered up against her? That doesn't even fucking make sense. <laughs> Why would she believe that? <laughs> And, uh, of course, it's the staff in the house who are pissed off because they drove the sweet little girl crazy and made her stab someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then her her thing is she ends up going crazy and then stabbing her husband? Yeah. Stabbing dude? So then, essentially, everybody gets taken out <laughs> except for the actual, like, staff of the house. Yeah. Does the little girl even get out of the asylum at the end? I don't even remember. No, I don't think so. No, I think she's still in there because she was. That's the other thing is she was. She never got out and never teamed up with the husband. Of. So she was. Just, it was all just some really elaborate lie. Um. Okay, in the synopsis on IMDb, it says at the end they they do telephone the asylum and are told that Janet is much better and should make a full recovery in several months. Oh yeah, months. yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. Because. Oh, because it wasn't just the the staff of the house. It was also the teacher that came home with her to accompany her home. Yeah. It was sort of there to be like, ha-ha, we knew you were trying to fuck shit up. Now we got you. Yeah, these are complicated plots for the sixth time. <laughs> this one seemed, like, really unnecessarily convoluted. Because <laughs> it is sort of the same story, just playing out twice within the same movie. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 100% honest. This movie moves so fucking slow because of, like, 90% of the first half of the movie are these weird dream sequence things. 
that when she stabbed the uh, the guy's wife to death halfway through the movie, I thought the movie was over. I was like, oh, thank <laughs> God, this movie's so long. <laughs> You're like, it's been 45 minutes. I was like, that's a good Hitchcock ending. She just she sees the lady and she stabs her. Yeah, and then it kept going. I was like, damn it! <laughs> For the record, the running time of the movie is 83 minutes. It's not even an hour and a half long no. with credits. <laughs> Although I do agree with you, it is a very slow-moving movie. Uh, I feel like they were trying to rely heavily on atmosphere in this movie, and they were unable to achieve the atmosphere, unlike the, the other movie where they were able to pull that off. Um, they didn't have any Oliver Reeds in this movie to really kind of carry things. Um, so yeah. that's a big part of the problem. I, f- I think my biggest complaint about the movie, besides besides that, besides the fact that it's fucking slow as dog shit, is that in the second half, when they're trying to pull the double fakey switch of, you know, oh, now they're being tormented. They, they're they so fucking ham-fisted with the whole, he's cheating on you thing, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. It, it, and I think that's what makes it so predictable. I mean, you could guess that somebody was out for revenge, but, you know, at one point, at least you could have thought maybe, you know, the girl's escaped from the asylum is going to kill them in their sleep or something like that. But instead, you're like, no... Somebody in that house is just fucking with him and gonna kill him. Like, yeah. I think the, the biggest thing for me was I think like it's like we, we mentioned that these are sort of Hitchcockian type movies. It really felt like they were trying to play up the psycho twist in this one. Like you have the cute blonde girl that you know comes in at the beginning of the movie, and we think she's our main character, and then they just take her out halfway through. And I was like that's great except that's the only character that we've spent time with in the first half of the movie so she's the only one who I give a shit about and now she's gone and the rest of the movie is about these background characters who I didn't care about in the first half of the movie and I don't plan to start caring about them now so now I just gotta watch these people like go on a weird honeymoon and argue with a butler because they want to drink when it's still technically tea time and I don't care (laughs) Because that's an actual plot point in this movie that we skipped somehow in our plot description. <laughs> they're out there in like a hotel, and the guy goes down to the bar, and he's like, "Can I get a drink?" And they're like, "It's tea time, asshole." And he's like, "Well, I just want some whiskey. It's on vacation here. If I want a drink, I should be allowed to have a drink, I think." And they're like, Fuck. "They were so angry with him for wanting a drink at tea time." I like the fact that he ends up making him a cocktail and he drinks it and he's like, this isn't very good. And that's and the guy's like, that's because I make the tea. <laughs> Those skill sets are so different that nobody could be expected to learn both. Because <laughs> it's not even a really, it's not a cocktail, just so we're clear. It's whiskey in a glass. It's not like, you don't have to go to school for that. You put the glass down, you pour the whiskey in. If the guy wants a little more whiskey, you pour a little more. (laughs) I also felt, uh, I don't know how much MST3K you guys watch, but the ending of when the house staff are explaining their devious plan, where they're like, no, I saw her. And they're like, no, you saw me. And then they're like, but the voice on the phone. No, it was my voice. I feel like there would totally be an MST3K sketch after that of Crow and them just aping that over and over. And over. 
Yeah. Tom Servo keeps getting tricked over and over again. Poor Tom. I will say at the end there, too, because I didn't think the movie did a very good job of hiding its plot, when they're explaining it to you, I'm like, don't, like, don't explain to me shit I already know. <laughs> I already didn't really like it, and now you're going to sit here and explain to me what I didn't like? That's not helpful. Yeah, it's like, we we got it. They're all standing there looking menacing. We, we get it. Close enough. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind this movie. I, this is the one I actually watched first. Okay, that probably. Uh, yeah, but then, yeah, after watching the second one, where I'm just like, wow, this is there's so much more going on in, in Paranoiac. But, uh, yeah, I think that definitely helped because I was not expecting uh, much out of these movies. So kind of going in first with this one, you're like, oh, yeah, that's not too bad. And then the second one turns out to be even better. It's like, oh, this is great. This is a great idea. Yeah, I should say, like, I'm, I'm kind of dismissing this film. It's not without merit. It has some really good elements to it, especially in the beginning. I thought the dream sequences that were done very well. I mean, there were there were too damn many of them, but I thought they worked really well. And for especially for the time, like I thought they were. It's hard to edit something like that into a movie using yeah. '60s technology. Um, they did a good job. And the flashback sequence where they explain what first caused the, like where the where the mother went and what first caused this girl to start being worried about having mental problems. That that was really well done. So, she, like when she finds out that her mom killed her dad, that's that's it, right? It was her dad that she killed. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was like a really well done scene, and I really liked that shot of like we're looking across the bed, and there's the mom standing there, and the dad's got the knife sticking right out of his chest. <laughs> the little kids in the background freaking out. Birthday cake with like candles <laughs> on top of it. Yeah, that was a nice family moment. I thought so. <laughs> Oh, can we also need to talk about the fact that this movie does one of those things that I hate in horror movies? There is this prolonged scene in the tour. I mean, it's got to be 15 minutes in where she's screaming, and it's like she takes five breaths and <laughs> screams at the top of her lung over and over. And you're like, Stop fucking screaming! <laughs> They're killing me. Like, it's that horrible, shrill, awful, old, timey movie scream. Yeah. And those are not supposed to be prolonged. <laughs> the thing is, though, it was the 60s, so I don't know if you knew this, but the way women worked back then is they screamed like that until you either threw water in their face or just flat out slapped them. Otherwise, they did not <laughs> stop. So <laughs> that's I wasn't alive in the 60s, but movies have taught me that that's how women worked back then. So. I think you're also supposed to say something like, pull yourself together, woman. It helps. I think it helps, yeah. <laughs> She's obviously hysterical. I better help her. She's got a wandering uterus. <laughs> Hit her again. I wonder if that's what it was. I wonder if you had to yell, like, maybe the slapping just caused them to listen to what they were told, and then you had, then you had to say, calm down, so they knew what to do. So I wonder if after you slapped them, if you could just tell them anything. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> It'd be a whole different era of filmmaking if that's how it worked. <laughs> Get a little hungry, just belt a woman. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> she does it. Uh, uh, good old equality. <laughs> Do we have to put in some kind of a disclaimer now? 
and there was never a problem again. Um, so I guess overall, we're going to recommend both these movies. It's it's all right. I would I would say this one is uh, if if you have a lady friend that would watch this type of thing with you, it's a pretty good like date night movie, kind of because. Even Did your lady plot. friend watch it with you? Yeah. Did she enjoy it? I don't think so. <laughs> but it, you don't have to pay thorough attention to the movie to like get what's going on. Oh, so you're saying this is a makeout movie? Yeah. But, but it's also got all the little jumpy bits in it. It's got some good jumpy bits. I like those. It's pretty good. I mean, it's all right. I think it's it's too slow. Is one of, one of the most telegraphed endings I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, like even even for movies of this era where this idea of these big sort of reveal endings was still kind of new, this was still felt really telegraphed and predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you're certainly if you're gonna pick one of these two movies to watch, pick Paranoiac. It was a really, really good movie. Whereas Nightmare is, it's not terrible, but it's I, I would describe it as a good movie. I thought it's, it's at a disadvantage for a hundred percent lack of baby mask. Well, it does suffer from that too. Although it, it is like a really early example of like the latex mask that you can put on that just makes you look like a completely different person. <laughs> Like that, by the eighties and nineties, that was like a every movie had that. But for the sixties, that was pretty unique. Yeah, you find a way to make yourself look just like the person that she just stabbed. Yeah. Hmm. I also felt this movie had like at the beginning, they really played up the fact that the mom was in the asylum, and I kept wondering how that's going to come back to to change the way that it, the 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 story. Like, is the mom going to get out? Or what's going to happen there? It didn't really matter. So even though, like, one of my favorite scenes was the flashback to the mom committing a murder and getting sent to an asylum, mm-hmm. I don't really know if the mom being in the asylum mattered from the movie's perspective. No, basically just set in in notion that the uh, she was afraid of getting mental illness as well. Yeah, but I don't know if that was a deep enough hook that they really needed for this movie. I did like the fact that, like, it's the 60s, so they're all like, can you believe this stupid little girl who thinks you could get mental illness just because your parents had mental illness? <laughs> There's no way that mental illness can get passed on from one generation to the next. That's crazy. It's not <laughs> genetic. It's because, like, every character, it's almost like she's worried because her mom's mental that she's going to get mental and they're all laughing at her behind her back. <laughs> and the doctor's like, oh my lord. Like, it's almost like the doctor's one step away from being like, I wish this girl would get stopped going to WebMD and looking up her mom's <laughs> symptom. What this girl needs is her uterus stapled in place. She's got the wandering <laughs> uterus. <sighs> Uh, I might need a break before we move on. <laughs> Moving on from wandering uterus. That's where you've that, decided to cut that, off. The- that is definitely where we're cutting off. You guys know that's a real thing, right? Doctors doctors used to think that the problem with women was that their uterus would migrate throughout their body and cause problems. 
I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't either, but that's not surprising whatsoever. No. I know, like, they used to diagnose women with hysteria and then essentially just give them orgasms to calm them down, which would not convince me to act differently if that's what that was how you got rewarded. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, so we got one piece of feedback. Oh. Um, and actually this one is directed at Doug. Well, maybe I, don't I know why. start checking the feedback then. I don't know why, because you won't know either one of these, but... Um, so Wolf from Germany writes in, says, hi, Doug, two questions. Hey, what the fuck did you just do? Nothing. My dog was walking around <laughs> under Char's feet and I think she stepped on one of his paws. Oh. I thought that was the question from Wolf. <laughs> like, you no. have to be more specific. When did you type that? <laughs> Noah's in there beating his dog to death, apparently. <laughs> No, he's having he's having the girlfriend do it. It's fine. No. <laughs> okay. Uh, so two questions. A, who is the lady with the annoyed voice who does your intros? I think I've heard her on SFF Audio. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that. Yep. That's why I decided I figured I'd read this. Uh, that is our friend Julie, who does an awesome fictional uh, podcast called 19 Nocturne Boulevard that you should go listen to. I've done a couple uh, extra voices on it in the past. So uh should go check that out. They're all like supernatural based usually with some sort of comedy thrown in. So should uh, go over to 19 Nocturne Boulevard, check it out. She does an awesome job, obviously, as you can tell by our intros. Uh, and then B, what is your intro and outro music? Um, that is music that I got from Incompitech.com, which does royalty-free music. And I just found one that had a nice kind of upbeat thing going for it and uh, pasted in a bunch of uh, sound clips from old drive-in advertisements. And yeah, best regards, Wolf from Germany. Thanks, Wolf from Germany. That was exciting having feedback. We should have feedback all the time. I know. Hear that? You could be like Wolf from Germany. Just got to write in. Yeah, the midnight drive-in, the midnight drive-in at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, all right. Anybody watch anything since the last time I recorded? This could take a while. We. <laughs> this is probably. Uh, I'll I'll go first since I actually, I've watched a lot of things, but all those things are super super long, so I didn't watch very many things. Okay. Uh, I watched uh, the Ted Bundy tapes. As did I. As did I. Uh, man, that dude freaks me out. <laughs> yep. I will say this, like, I, I haven't seen much actual footage of him, especially the courtroom stuff. I'm like, what the fuck? That guy's nuts. Yeah. I didn't realize how nuts he was. My favorite <laughs> my favorite thing that I've seen since last time we talked is definitely Ted Bundy in a courtroom arguing that he's entitled to bail, but he shouldn't have to give his real name to the judge. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I should totally get bail. 
What's your real name? That's not important right now, Your Honor. <laughs> I mean, so so I remembered some of the batshit crazy stuff that happened in that trial. Like uh, them letting him question someone who was almost one of his own victims. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? Like, what judge? What the fuck was he thinking to let him do that? But I'll tell you what I didn't remember. The fact that he escaped from prison and killed more people. Yeah. I did not remember that part of the story. Not only escaped from prison, escaped from prison twice. Right. <laughs> In cartoonish ways. Like, <laughs> literally, like, once he practiced jumping a lot so that he could learn how to jump out a window, and that worked. And the other time, he literally did the John McClane out the vent. And I'm like... How did either one of those work? But I guess somebody had to be the first one to try them. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, guess we'll make the, the vent. We'll make that a little tighter on there so they can't go through that. Never occurred to us before. Uh, I thought one of, one of the things that blows my mind is, and I know this discussion started coming up again, where there's lots and lots of women who talk about how attractive he is. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, first of all, I don't see it. I don't think he's that good looking of a person. Well, I think he was 70s attractive. Yeah, but the other thing is, they're like, yeah, and he was so charismatic. And when you're listening to the stuff, even when you're not listening to the him vividly describing how, how the murders were committed while simultaneously saying that he didn't do it, like, even whenever you just hear him talking normally, he comes off is one of those fucking assholes that you just hate. <laughs> like, I just don't understand how he could possibly have seduced anybody. You know, because you know women I mean? love assholes. Come on, Noah. What world do you live in? I I know it's true, but but Jesus fucking Christ! Like any any woman who was like, oh no, this dude's totally cool, kind of deserved to die. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. I'm like uh, seriously though. He's old statement. He's a piece of shit. Like you're going into a dark, lonely place with this piece of shit. That is a bad idea. I would say the same thing of a dude. If a dude went somewhere alone with him, you just deserve to have something bad happen. All right, I'm gonna come out here and say I don't believe that Ted Bundy's victims deserved what they got. Controversial <laughs> statement. I know. So, so here's the thing. It's hyperbole. I would never, ever actually blame the victim. Oh, I, I think we have tape of you blaming the victim. I don't even think it was very long ago. What I'm saying is... No, it's like in the Bundy documentary. He's speaking uh, in third person if he was evaluating the situation. No, I'm just, I'm just saying it's like walking up to something that says danger, high voltage, licking your hand and tapping on it. Do you deserve to die for that? Probably not. Are you going to die from that? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, you're going to fucking die! Hey, but a guy with a cast on his arm approaching women in a park and saying, hey, I, my arm hurts and I'm having trouble loading up my boat, can you give me a hand? Isn't quite the same thing as touching something that says high voltage on it. I'm See, I'm not exactly talking about them. I'm talking more about, like, his... It sounds real- like you are. No, no, like... <laughs> Like, his weird girlfriend chick that he, like, brainwashed into, like, testifying for him and stuff. Or those people. Or his weird fucking groupies 
because he's one of those people who has serial killer groupies because they think that he's this mm-hmm. attractive, charismatic guy. He is a dangerous, assholey psychopath. Like, okay, so, so you're yeah. saying those people would deserve what they get, but not yeah. the people he actually killed. Yes. Okay. I'm a little more on board with this. I think I can get behind it. The, the groups of people that deserve to die are the, the people who, like, were fans of Ted Bundy's and then all the people who were tailgating his execution. Uh, I thought that was fucking horrible. I, I can't, like, no. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if you're, like, throwing a party to celebrate a human being dying, regardless of who the human being is, you yeah. got a lot you got a lot of problems and it is so fucking weird to see these like frat boys out there crushing beers and having bonfires like yeah kill them and they're all wearing matching t-shirts and shit right the fuck up, fucking the fuck up thing is those people are only one step away from being killed those yeah are people who want to participate in a murder and this is their opportunity yeah yeah i it's very weird. It really turned my stomach when that shit was going on, and I was like, oh, like this is horrible. Like, he's a horrible person who, there's only, I mean, there's not, like, a ton of people, but there are people that it's like, yeah, he, the world would be better if you were removed from it, and he's definitely one of them. But I don't think I would celebrate that that's going on. No, yeah, like, I'm, I don't like, we don't need to get into a debate about the death penalty here, but whatever removes that guy, like obviously we can't ever have a Ted Bunny just be like, yeah, you can you can have you can have day parole now, like that's never going to happen. Yeah. So whether you're putting him in a locking like locking him up, throwing away the key, or whether you're putting him to death, whatever it is, get him out of there. But it's not a cause of celebration. It's a it's a sad thing that he did all the things he did, and that. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> I just remember seeing that and was like, oh, I feel horrible. But do I say something like that I, That really fucked me up? Or yeah. people just be like, yeah, well, fuck it. Ted Bundy, kill him. Because of all the Ted Bundy stuff, like the part I remember from when it actually happened is that. Right? Because yeah. he's like, that was like, what, 89 or something? Yeah, 88, 89, something like yeah, that. Yeah. So, like, I was old enough that I remember, like, the news and I remember seeing those guys and I remember like even as a child watching it going like that's weird that they're having a party about an execution like Mm -hmm. that always seemed very strange to me and I'd kind of forgotten about it but when I saw it again and like you're you're seeing the actual footage of it again I'm just like oh that's not that's not yeah Yeah, people selling t-shirts and like all this crazy shit yeah it's like more. It would be kind of neat to have one of those T-shirts now, but <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't have bought one at the time, but now I think it'd be kind of neat to have one just as a souvenir. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody watch the trailer for the the Ted Bundy movie coming up? Yeah, it's a weirdly upbeat movie about a serial killer. <laughs> the tone is rather weird in the trailer. I'm really caught off guard by it. I'm curious to see what the movie is actually like, if that's indicative of what the tone of the movie is. But then, if that's not indicative, then why even put that trailer out? So I'm a little concerned. I don't know. It's weird. But then again, it does star Zac Efron. Yeah, but I actually think he's actually a pretty good choice for the role. He looks great in the role. Like He looks mm-hmm. just like Ted Bundy. Yeah. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Uh, 
So have you she, realized that we lost Noah a while ago? I was wondering if he was gone or not, and then I thought maybe we just maybe he was really upset. Maybe he was one of the guys celebrating Ted Bundy's <laughs> execution, and he's he's just. Uh, he's like, I can't get on board with this. I quit this show. I'm done with you guys. I'm so angry. I'm not even telling you that I quit. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I I think Zac Efron's a good choice. Uh, I think people kind of give him shit sometimes, but I think he's actually a halfway decent actor. And as we say, that he's supposed to be Ted Bundy's supposed to be a good-looking guy who's very charismatic. So I think he's good for that role. Now, the tone of the movie is is what I'm concerned about. It does seem like the tone of the movie is almost celebratory. Mm -hmm. And I found that, like, I don't know. It's a weird thing when you get into this, because even the docuseries that we just were discussing, it's like, they don't get into all the brutal, um, all the brutality of the crimes. And so they do, like, because you don't talk about how terrible the crimes were, you kind of accidentally portrayed Ted Bundy as a lot more likable than maybe they intended to. Yeah. And that's a really weird thing where I'm I, like, yeah, like I, I feel like you need to go, if you're going to show him being all like chipper and like kind with judges in order to understand how fucked up it is that the judge is like, uh, I'm sentencing you to death, but I, I really did try. I really feel bad about it kind of thing in order to ma- realize how fucked up that is. You have to, talk about how he like was decapitating women and throwing their heads into the woods a little more yeah. because it's it's just it's weird when you when you approach stuff like this with too lighthearted of a tone you can accidentally i don't know, turn these guys into like anti-heroes instead of villains mm. which i've been seeing lots of weird uh like people complaining about people calling Ted Bundy hot after watching these this documentary, and even some people being like, "Oh, we should try the uh, the uh, what was it barefoot Colorado Ted Bundy diet, where you just run around the mountains barefoot for a week and then lose twenty five pounds." And I'm just like, really? Like that's that's what you're focusing in on in this uh, documentary? Yeah, it is a little weird. Like I personally, I enjoyed the documentary because uh, a lot of the other like true crime podcasts I've listened to and stuff do concentrate a lot on the murders, and so I found like learning about the escapes and stuff and concentrating on the actual trial to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But I can understand how if this is the only thing you see about Ted Bundy, you would come out of it thinking he was kind of a cool guy, and he's not a cool guy. He's a mass murderer who. <laughs> Like, to, he, he was smart enough to get away with killing like people. It's, it's like thirty some people he ended up killing mm-hmm. in like five or six states, and he, he only got caught because of bullshit luck in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's super weird that they don't make you hate him because you should hate him. Are you back, Noah? I am. Well. <laughs> The cat got back behind my computer and was fucking with the wires and caused my computer to crash. (laughs) (laughs) So we were in the middle of talking about how disgusting it was that people were celebrating Ted Bundy's execution. And then we just assumed you were one of the people that was totally for it. So you got pissed and just signed off. 
Nope. Nope. <laughs> now, what I was what I was saying is, I I think those people are one step away from like being murderers themselves. That mm. they want to kill somebody and they want to be involved with a murder. They just don't do it. So this is the closest they get. You know what I mean? They get to yeah. participate in a murder by showing up and tailgating a murder. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it's all gross. Yeah, it's icky. Um, have you seen the trailer for the new movie? The Ted Bundy movie? Yeah. I have not. Okay. <clears throat> Me and Doug were just discussing. It's got a weird tone to it. it seems it's, very lighthearted. It seems very lighthearted for a movie about a real-life serial killer. It's very strange, but... Yeah, not just yeah. not just a serial killer like one of the grossest serial killers. <laughs> serial yeah. killers like yeah, he's he's icky. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I, when I posted, I said that he's one of the very few actual serial killers that uh, scares me, just because he's way too smart. And <laughs> before we started, I think I told Amanda, I'm like, uh, I believe after he got arrested for the murders. He escaped twice. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I didn't realize either that he killed more people while he was out. Like Noah said earlier. So it's even yeah. more fucked up. Yeah. Oh. Unclean. Gross. Unclean that Joe made me feel. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, I think I think they did a good job. They didn't like glorify him or try to make him bigger than what he was. They were more like, this dude just got away with a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were kind of saying while you're gone that maybe they didn't glorify him, but we're almost wondering if they didn't vilify the killings enough. Because some people are walking away from this thinking that he's like hot or something, and I'm just like, what? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I mean, I made this point, we'll know it was away, but just so you get to hear it, no, um, I feel like they were really, they made him seem almost too cool. Um, and to some extent, obviously, that's how it worked in the real world as well, because a lot of the people involved in the trial were obviously just as taken with him as some of the people who see the documentary are. But you kind of need to you kind of need to let people know how horrible he was so that they don't mistakenly think he's cool. Yeah, I do. I feel like the major like the focus of the documentary was about them trying to get him to confess like that mm-hmm. was the whole thing. Everybody yeah. just wanted him to be like, "Okay, I killed 35, 40 people," you know. Yeah. And I and I don't think we ever really got that cuz they said he confessed on like, you know, his deathbed basically right before. But I I still don't think he really ever admitted to everything. I think he admitted to like the two girls he was convicted for. But I don't know. Yeah, and I, and I don't like the fact that he's one of those serial killers too. That everybody's like, well, you know, he ended up finding Jesus in prison, and you know, he reformed. And it's like, no, no, he didn't. He's a fucking sociopath, and that's just one more fucking way he manipulates people into liking him, even though he's a murdering fuckwit, yeah. a terrible guy. Glad he's yeah. dead. <laughs> Like I said, he's definitely somebody that does not need to be in the world. Yeah. One way or another. <sighs> All right. What else did you watch now? Uh, watch that. I'm about halfway through Punisher season two. Yeah. I like it. I it, The pacing's so much better than the first season. 
Agreed. Because mm-hmm. there was at least one like decent fight in every episode, and I'm like, yeah, see, that's that's what I need. That's what I'm in this for. Yeah. I don't need to go five episodes of fucking Frank feeling sorry for himself. That shit was weird in the first season. Yeah, I feel like at least in this one they didn't have to have him brooding over his wife and his kids as much. While that's still an integral part of the character, it doesn't like overwhelm the entire story. Are you saying that because he was banging a bartender in the first episode? Or? <laughs> no. Okay, uh, just checking. But I feel like it wasn't just him like being mopey the entire show. Like he legitimately had shit that like he was dealing with rather than like Oh, I'm so sad my wife and kids are gone. Which, again, is a legitimate thing, but I feel like last season, since it was the first time he had you know a whole season to himself, not on Daredevil, that a lot of the show seemed to be focused mainly on that. But now it's just, oh, shit, I helped this girl, and now I'm in this fucking situation, which sucks. And oh, it turns out the, the guy that I fucking hate escaped, so fuck. Yeah, I like that. Go ahead. I was gonna say I don't. I don't know how I feel about this version of Jigsaw yet. We'll we'll see once I get further. I, here, but. I fucking love Jigsaw in this. I think you'll like him as the season progresses. He plays mm-hmm. less of a role in the first half than he does in the second half, and I really like him. Like, did you get to the whole like? There's a whole Jigsaw episode where it's basically just all about him. Have you had that one yet? Uh, about him in therapy? Is that what you're talking about? No. There's there's a whole one where he's like he's basically trying to figure out how, how to proceed and all that. It's, you'll see it when you see it, but no. I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but it's really I, so. I really I really like the character as as he progresses throughout the season. And I like the other storyline too with the with the kid. Mm. I liked her and I liked that whole storyline and I think the like the biggest compliment you can pay this show is there's like two storylines going on all season long. They're really almost completely unconnected stories. They do a really good job of telling two stories at the same time with like one character that's basically involved in both. And all the other characters are like peripherally. They'll be like, like when, uh, when the, they decide to bring him back to New York and he's like, I have to bring this kid with me if we go to New York. And they're like, what I, I guess, but what the fuck? Why is there a kid here? Why are you in a shootout in, a, in Ohio? It's, it's sort of weird the way that works, but it ends up working out really well. I think. I think they do a, a great job of that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I really like the other bad guy, the uh, the preacher guy. Yeah, yeah, he's good. I like. Well, we'll probably talk about it on a future episode, but I like the ending to that storyline quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it worked out really well. We won't spoil it for Noah or anyone else who hasn't seen it yet, but it's. Uh, but definitely watch it because more than likely it's going to end up getting canceled. So it's canceled, I'm sure. <laughs> they haven't officially announced it yet. Well, all right. Apparently, but apparently, John Barenthal is, has said that he has come to terms with the fact that it's more than likely going to get canceled. Yeah, I mean, I was getting ready to say that last season of Daredevil was real fucking good, and then they canceled it. So I don't see any hope for this. No. Oh no, no! It's definitely going to get canceled. But just the stupid Marvel Netflix. I don't even want to say rivalry because that's not really what it is, but it's just Netflix being like, "Well, Disney's doing their own streaming service. We don't want to help the competition, so 
So bye bye. Yeah, I'm pretty frustrated with the whole thing because I've I, I enjoyed this season. Of, like every show, I think has gotten better almost. Maybe not Luke Cage, but certainly Iron Fist, Daredevil, and now Punisher are all better in their last seasons than they have been in the in the season before. And I'm like, well, damn it. I just if if they wanted to do if DC and Marvel wanted to go off and do their own shit, why didn't they just do like Amazon Prime but with Netflix, where they would just be like, okay, well we're partially separate, but it's just going to be an add-on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Ten dollars a month, you get access to all the Marvel stuff. You know, ten dollars a month, you get access to all the DC stuff. Then they don't have to pay for their own platform and all that kind of stuff. They still get full control. They can but pull out whenever they want. The entire Hollywood system is based on ego, not finances. So <laughs> that's why. Yeah, um, a lot of their decisions don't make sense financially, but make a lot more sense if you're ego driven. I'm just saying, they've managed to fuck this up pretty bad, because DC's got about four TV shows coming, all of which I really, really, really want to see. Still not worth another subscription service. Yeah. Well, DC's even dumber, because at least Marvel has a giant following of people who love their movies. DC doesn't have that. Like, they have a lot of people who pay to see their movies and then are angry about them when they get out of the theater. Do you think those people are signing up for a streaming service? Well, even even still, like this Marvel thing is going to be part of the Disney streaming service. So, I mean, that includes Star Wars and yeah. Disney and Marvel. So that's at least something. With the DC one, it's like, well, I hope you like DC stuff that has not charted very well, because that's all you're getting. Yeah, I don't get it. Although, I'll tell you what, the descriptions I've read of the new Batman movie sounds real fucking good. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, you gotta wait till like what was it, twenty twenty one? Yeah. And now I see all the people that were complaining about Ben Affleck being Batman are now like sad that he's leaving. I I could have gone either way. I don't think he was a bad Batman after all, but I don't think he was that good of a fucking Batman either. I think he was good in the role. I just don't think the role was written quite right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's hard. To, it's hard to judge how good the character was because the movie was shit. Yeah, he he was a good Batman in bad DC movies. I like how Noah just summed up the problem with DC right there when he said the movie was shit. Well, he was in like three movies. <laughs> so, <laughs> you said the movie, implying that fuck. It up, I don't even bother with the other ones. All of the above. <laughs> I mean, and they're still doing stuff that makes me like raise an eyebrow, like James Gunn doing Suicide Squad two. Suicide Squad was fucking bad. That's a mm-hmm. bad, 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 not good yeah, movie. But yeah. man, James Gunn doing part two, I'm kind of like, ooh, part two might be good. Suddenly I'm there opening night because I'm like, well, fuck yeah. It's like there's these weird little glimmers of hope in DC, like the Shazam movie. I'm like, yeah, it's that looks gonna good. Be, it's going to be good. And then, yes, I mean, Suicide Squad 2 looks pretty good. I mean, as far as if James Gunn, I know he's at least writing it. He's wanting to direct it. And <laughs> Batista's already said if James Gunn's directing it, just let him know when to show up and he'll be there. Dude, Those like are- I said, Batista's blockbuster would be real good. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Or they could replace uh, that weird, shitty killer croc that they had <laughs> that looked like a Goomba from Mario Brothers. Uh, it's not good. 
Uh, we were trying to talk about Punisher. Why say, we I was going to say, squad. Can we uh, can we talk about that bathroom fight in the, at the beginning? Yep. It's really Holy good. Shit. The the one thing that Punisher nailed this season was the violence. Yeah. It's it's visceral violence. It's like rated R violence. It's hard hitting and it like you feel it and it's varied. That's what I love about it. Like one day he's in a bathroom fight hitting people with parts of toilets. The next day he's shooting fucking people and he just they just ease it all in. Like yeah, any love any kind of violence you like knives, he'll stab somebody soon. Don't worry about it. Oh my god. Is that one where the guy had a knife and he like bent the dude's elbow so his <laughs> hand was flat on the surface and then he just threw the dude's head into it? It's like holy fuck. You have no idea how big a smile I have on my face hearing you talk about that kill. <laughs> I was so good. You know what the fucked up thing? So far, my favorite act of violence, the Punisher didn't do it. The big bouncer guy in the bar in that first big fight, he picks that guy up and power bombs him like yeah. half backed over the bar. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, he, he broke it. It's fine. That dude's dead. He dead. That, uh, that bouncer dude, for a guy that had like two lines of dialogue and was in two episodes. He's like one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah, what, was his, what was his name? Rico? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know either. Starts, starts with an R. Just Wait, comes over, know. comes over, start being like Frank, like you know, Hassel and Frank, and then she's like, "No, no, no, he's good. Don't worry about it." Right, I fine. really, I really thought when that fight broke out and that bouncer started fucking taking people apart, I was like, "Okay, well, there's one of our other side characters." <laughs> nope. Nope. His death <sighs> made me sad. Like, and he was—it was like his second or third scene, and I'm like, "Oh, they're killing him! I don't want that guy to go." <laughs> uh, you made it to the uh, to the weight room fight yet, Noah? Yeah. Okay, good. It's a pretty good one too. <laughs> fucking awesome. Fucking UFC guy and a former WWE wrestler both get their asses beat like you would not believe. I was gonna say the bath. I think the best. The best part of the bathroom fight is wherever he takes his belt off and he starts wrapping his arm up with it. <laughs> it it's just such a good moment. Just because they're like, oh, you fucked up. And he's like, yeah, we're going to see about that. <laughs> what did you guys think about the fact that he's beating the shit out of women? Hey. I mean, I guess it's equality, right? <laughs> yeah, it's fair game. I just, he liked, I just like he picked up fucking woman up and just threw her through the bathroom stall destroyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I need yeah. to finish it. Yeah, it's so good. Do you guys want to hear my one complaint about it, though? Sure. I, I hate the fact that he's running away from trying to be Punisher and he has to get like dragged back into it. Mm-hmm. Like I, sure. they, they did that last season. He should have just been... like All these stories could have been told basically the same way except have him be the punisher at the beginning just have him be living in the van killing people although i think i think they hint at the fact that he he doesn't really get drugged back into it it's because she kind of calls him out in the first episode and she's like bullshit you were just looking for an excuse yeah, and, yeah. That does, and that does seem to be it because he is driving around from town to town in the tactical van with oh a God. bag full of guns. Because he's on a lot of 80s shows and he's, he's just like, eventually I'll just get caught up in some mischief if I just drive town to town. 
So he's an 80s action show. It yeah, he's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and de- definitely, like, minor spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it, it's revealed in dialogue that, like, he fully admits that after the after the whole bar thing, when he takes the, the kid and leaves with her, that was intentionally done so that those people would come after him so he could kill the rest of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, like, basically baiting them, which is very Punisher-like, and I'm fine with that. I'm just a little bothered by the fact that at the beginning, he's not just shooting people in the head for dealing drugs and alleys and, you know, beating up guys that are committing muggings and just being the Punisher. Yeah. I'll also say the episode in the, the police station, the little small town police station. Yeah. Man, that's real fucking good. <laughs> the, the little assault on precinct 13. Uh, episode yeah. 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 I was going to say assault, assault on precinct 13. It was, yeah. it's awesome. I loved all those cops too. I love how some of them are like, fuck this. Just let them go. They, <laughs> they want to kill this guy who I've never met before, or they're going to kill all of us. Just let him kill that guy. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, man, I wish I could rewatch it again for the first time. <laughs> I definitely think I could see myself rewatching like Punisher season two. Sometime mm-hmm. in the future, whereas I don't think I'll go back really and probably rewatch the first one. I would rewatch Daredevil season two and then rewatch this. Mm. Uh, they even revealed Noah yet of sort of the significance of the skull this season. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like subtly, but I mean, there's like a purpose for him wearing the skull, like, yeah, partway through this season. I just don't know if the, I don't think you've hit it yet. Probably not. Oh, the, the only thing that's making me nervous so far is that uh, Jigsaw's face isn't very fucked up. That's what Amanda said. She's like, his face isn't that bad. I don't know what he's so pissed off about. It's pretty fucked up. If that was your face, you'd be unhappy about it. You'd be you'd be unhappy about it. But I'm talking about like comic book Jigsaw. His face fucked up. Yeah. yeah. His face looks like uh, the dude from from Hannibal. Uh, yeah. The dude that's in the bed with the pigs ate his face. Like it's almost that, but it's got stitches all over. But they're they're trying to play it up as if this is real world, and I think they want it to be a little bit more. Yeah, no. Plus, they play up that a lot of the damage that was done is internal and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so segueing from Punisher, Mm -hmm. uh, Punisher Warzone's on Netflix, so I watched Punisher Warzone too. I've actually never watched that one. I really, really like it. Because I was I, I was a fan of the Thomas Jane one, which I know people don't like. But I was pissed off when he didn't come back for the second one because he said the script was horrible. And so I just was like, yeah, I got to watch it. I, but I the, I, I've, I've since bought it on Voodoo because it was like on sale. So I'm like, yeah, maybe now it's time to watch it. Now that there's another Punisher. They're two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like so, the Thomas Jane one. The problem was is like they didn't get the uh, the visceral, violent nature of the Punisher. And mm. Warzone, they totally fucking get that. They just uh, they don't get that you can do that and be serious at the same time. That was my problem with Warzone. I found it was too cartoonish. Yeah, like, so the violence didn't have any real impact. Yeah, they were pretty much they were trying to make a Punisher 
comic book movie, if that makes sense, instead of like yeah. really adapting it, they were going for a more direct adaptation. In which it works, it works on some things. Like I really like Soap and uh, the FBI guy. The goddamn it castle scene is one of the most punishery things that's ever happened, and it's awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it was new. So. It's it's the part where that guy's tied to the chair and the the FBI guy's reading him his rights, <laughs> and Frank basically shoots him in the fucking face with a shotgun. <laughs> right, right after he's been told he can't kill anyone else. <laughs> See, I, I think I would love that movie, that moment, if it was John Bernthal's Punisher doing it. They're like, you just can't kill anyone else. And they've got the guy handcuffed, and he just takes him out, too. I think I'd really enjoy that moment. Yeah. It's just so funny, because he shoots that guy in the face, and the guy goes, God damn it, Castle! Because he's all just, like, soaked in gore. <laughs> but Warzone, I, I don't know. Warzone's awesome if you like... 90s Punisher comics. And that's it. Like that's that is the target audience of that entire movie. If you don't like those things, you're probably not going to like. You're going to think it's too cheesy and you're going to think some of the like the weird visuals where Jigsaw's making his evil villain speech and like they have like the flag waving in the background. It's real. The visuals get a little odd. Yeah, yeah I'm all about 90s Punisher, so I'm going to end up watching it. You should check it out. The way the the origin of Jigsaw they do at the beginning of the movie is pretty brutal. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. And Jigsaw in that movie looks fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Although probably not as good of an actor as uh, what's in the uh, TV show. No, not even close. I found the Jigsaw in the in Warzone too. This is just off my memory from whenever that was a new movie but I remember thinking like he's, he seems to have super strength and stuff but but why? His face got fucked up so now he has super strength? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That might just be the cartoonish nature of the movie itself that just people do things that aren't realistic. Yeah, the movie the, the TV show tried to get around it one way and I don't, the movie didn't try to get around it at all. They just skipped over it. But in the comic books, the whole point is after his face gets all fu- fucked up, he kind of goes into intensive training to try to become as good as the Punisher. You know what I mean? As far as fighting and combat and tactics and all that kind of stuff. And so he's basically anti Punisher, kind of. Yeah. But once again, they don't. In the show, they tried to get around it by being like, oh, they were in the same unit. They got the exact same training. Hurdy, 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 <laughs> which is Which is fine. It's lazy writing, but it's fine. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I watched that. I watched more uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Like I said, ups and downs. Where are you at now? Uh, I'm heading toward the end of season four, I do believe. Uh, is that the framework? Is that what that is? I believe so, where they're entered. I, I'm not 100% sure yet, but I'm assuming the Ada robot is going to be Madam Hydra. Hmm. Is that is that what they're setting up? Uh, you'll have to watch it find out. 
Yeah, I'm going to assume I'm correct. I'm usually correct about these kinds of things. Well, essentially, I mean, this last half of the season takes place mostly in the Matrix. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's where I'm at. I just got to the uh, the episode in season four where they brought back uh, Pat Patton Oswalt's character. Characters. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. Oh, they're they're my fucking favorite. I I I get that those characters are cheesy, but they really should have just given him money and put him full time on the show. <laughs> yeah, I would have been all about it. Yeah, he's he's totally worth it. Uh, so I watched that. I'm trying to think. I know I watched something else, but once again, my brain sliding away from me. Did I tell you guys I went and saw Spider Verse last time? No. I okay. think you were the only one who hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, I went and saw it. I don't like it as much as everybody else likes it. Well, then you're wrong. Yeah, but it's, not- no, it's listen. It's really, really good. I personally think that animation style is fucking garbage. I hate it. I hate the weird blurring the background and the foreground for some reason. What in the fuck is the point of that? To make it look awesome, because it and they were really successful at it too, because it does look awesome. See, I don't. All it did was make my eyes hurt. I fucking. It looked like whenever you wander into a movie and uh, you didn't realize it was 3D and you're not wearing the 3D glasses. That's what half the movie looks like. Nah, didn't bother me any. But besides besides that, the story's really good. Like, mm-hmm. I like the characters. I like everything that happens. Uh, I was a little disappointed that all the bad guys were the uh, Ultimates versions of the bad guys, because I don't particularly like that version of those yeah. guys. but but it was still good you know it is but, I mean, in ultimate universe so. i was gonna say yeah yeah, I mean, yeah that's what i'm saying it's yeah. it's set in ultimate universe so there's no avoiding like lady dr octopus and scorpion that has the weird animatronic scorpion legs mm-hmm. and all that weirdness but besides besides the complaints about the the art i, I thought it was awesome nice. just 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 the one sticking point i was like i do not like this i do not like the <laughs> art style at all <laughs> it's like they intentionally made it look bad mm. which is weird why would you intentionally make it look bad I and don't I, know I mean I get what and I even get what they were going for because they were using like the dot print, print matrix to make it look like the old uh, dot ink you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then the background they did the weird where the pages would get slightly offset so you know one color would be slightly overlaid to the side I get what they were going for, but it's just distracted. It like it doesn't look good. Disagree. <laughs> it seems like everybody else everybody else liked that about the movie, and you just didn't like it, which is, I guess, strictly a matter of opinion. I mean, everybody else likes a lot of things. That doesn't that doesn't mean shit to me. <laughs> everybody else likes Scream. Fuck them all. <laughs> I don't care. Well, we'll but like I said, besides that, movie. besides the art, it's great that, that everything else about it is good. All the voice actors are good. All of like the the action pieces and stuff are good. Story's good. Although I'm a little confused because I could have sworn people were acting like one of the uh, Spider-Man's dies at the end of the movie, and that did not happen. You're, you're thinking of the beginning of the movie. Well, but if everybody kept 
like three or four people said, you know, oh, one of them makes a big sacrifice at the end. You know, the, like, and I was like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, <laughs> well, they they offer they all offer to make a big sacrifice. I, I suppose, but I just don't. I, at first, whenever I went and saw it, after everybody had told me that, I was like, "Did I see a different version of the movie? Did they pull the movie and edit the ending because children were upset about something?" You'd no. think they would have been upset about Peter Parker eating. Mm. No. Did you stay after the credits? Yeah, of course. Of course, I stayed after the credits. <laughs> uh, could also. What Spider Man kind of monster do you think I am? Spider Man ninety nine showing up in the Spider Man sixty seven cartoon. I'm not pointing. You're pointing. No, you're <laughs> pointing. <laughs> That's awesome. I saw that movie with a nine year old though, and trying to explain to her why that was awesome was just a lost cause. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you understand this is no uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was awesome. And then, and then, I think that's it. I'm pretty sure I watched something else, but I can't remember. So, must have been great. <laughs> Listen, there's lots of things I can't remember. Uh, what did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. Uh, first thing I watched after our last recording was Split, which is a rewatch for uh. me. Um, <clears throat> held up really well um, I, I literally just finished watching it before I came down to record yeah so I actually think this is the first time I've seen it since theaters I remembered it pretty well like as far as what all the plot points were and stuff right and like mm. where it was headed I, I think similar to Shyamalan's early movies this movie is actually better when you know what the ending is and where you, you realize that it's set in like I guess spoiler for Split that set the up universe. Um, I think when you when you know all that, I think it actually improves the movie, which yeah. is a huge compliment to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that that's what Shyamalan did early in his career with Sixth Sense and Unbreakable was make these movies that were really cool the first time you watched them, and even better after. Uh, so I think this movie is back to that. Obviously, McAvoy's great. Oh, yeah. Um, I really liked, too. I'd, I'd forgotten how much I liked that girl, the lead girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's she's outstanding in the movie. Like, I was just, I kind of forgot about her. And I'm like, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't have forgotten about her. She's really, really good. Uh, ended up being a little disappointed in that because of the way she's handled in the next movie I watched, which was... Uh, Glass. So if you only watch Split today, that means you haven't seen Glass yet? No. We actually we watched Unbreakable yesterday. We watched Glass today, and I think we're going to try to go see it either tomorrow or Saturday. Okay. So yeah, not too spoilery, but... Alright, so all three actors are good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Now, two of those three actors I think we all expected to be really good. <laughs> there was one question mark. Um, it's my it, acting style. <laughs> it appears that Bruce Willis did give a shit about this movie. Oh, that's um, good. So I was super happy. He's not like Bruce Willis is never going to win an Oscar for his acting abilities, <laughs> but he's at least trying, and I enjoyed that. 
I also enjoyed. He didn't. He didn't show up to the set annoyed that he was making this movie. He didn't seem to be anyway. Maybe they edited around it really well. I'm not <laughs> sure, but he seemed to be happy that he was in the movie, which is an accomplishment. And uh, I liked. So the movie sets up. He's running a security store and then doing his like superhero thing at night, mm-hmm. and he runs the store with his kid and it's the actor from the first movie back like as an adult because it's been 20 years since the first movie came out <laughs> yeah he was uh he was on ages of shield actually that oh, was he in the past couple of years so, yeah yeah he's not that good of an actor but <laughs> i like seeing him back <laughs> <laughs> um it's better to have him back than it would be to get to recast with a better actor i'd rather have him back doing what he did hmm um, yeah, the biggest accomplishment that that Glass manages to pull off is it really is a sequel to Unbreakable and a sequel to Split, which were in their own ways very different movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it combining those two worlds or those two stories, I think, is done really well. Um, it's kind of like the movie kind of picks up several weeks after the end of Split, where. Unbreakable has been seeking the horde, trying to find him, and I think they they just they just join the stories really well. Nice, which is a, which is a big accomplishment um, because it's an M Night Shyamalan movie. It's hard to discuss whether you liked it or not without discussing what the twist was. <laughs> so maybe that'll be maybe we'll say like next week. What's we'll the twist? Discussion. Next week we can have the, the discussion if at least one of you has seen it. So. <laughs> The twist is the doctor lady has superpowers. No, she was dead the whole time. But the doctor lady is really living in a village from the 1800s. I, I didn't <laughs> want to spoil it for you guys, but there you go. And she's allergic to water. All right. So <laughs> there, I will say this. It, the movie will start leading you in the direction of like, this is how superhero movies go. We all know where this is going. But like, I mean, we're all we're all adults here. We've all seen all these movies. We all know that there's a twist coming. I think they do a really good job of being like, this is what would happen in a typical serial killer movie or superhero movie, and we're headed there. We're going that way, everyone, and just like it would be in the comics, we're gonna do that. And then they're like, then when the twist hits, you're like, you're not surprised because you know who directed it but they do they do a good job of setting you up and then catching you off guard with the twist hmm. and then whether you like the movie or not is going to depend heavily on whether you like the twist um most people either think it's the smartest movie ever or the dumbest movie ever i think it's somewhere in the middle i think the twist is good i think it's unexpected i think it's unpredictable and different and i praise films that are different but I don't necessarily think it's the best twist ever either. And that's about all I can say about it until we can, until somebody else knows what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would definitely think if you're a fan of the first two movies, just watching the interactions between the characters and the setups of the two worlds colliding is worth it, mm-hmm. which is like your first, you know, 60% of the movie. Yeah. I'm excited to check it out. So, so, I was super excited. It was literally like, like it came out on the Friday. It was like Saturday at, I ended up like, it was like 
1130 or something in the morning. And I was like, maybe if I have some free time today, I'll see when Glass is playing and see if anybody wants to go. And I checked my phone and I'm like, well, it starts in like 20 minutes. No time to call anybody. I'm just going. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. And like, as I was sitting in the theater, I'm thinking, like, I could have gone to like a three o'clock show and had friends to go with, but chose to come by myself just in case something comes up later that would prevent me from going. It's like you have to go. So I don't know. I think we'll we'll end up discussing Glass more. Mm-hmm. You guys have had a chance to see it. Is is the twist that none of them have superpowers, and they're all actually just crazy people? I, well, I obviously you know from the trailers that if I answer that question, I'd be spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously that question is addressed in the movie, right. but that's like, I don't think it's based on the trailer. I think you would know that that's that comes up. Stop trying to guess it, Noah. You're going to guess it. And he's going to tell us, and I'm going to be mad. What else did you watch? What else? Oh, I get something I was going to recommend a while ago and I didn't because of certain controversies that existed. I watched the Star Wars fan film, uh, Vader Episode 1. Oh, yeah. Which is produced by these, it's like a Star Wars Theory YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Um, which I watched a little while ago and enjoyed. And then some asshole lawyers that work for Disney came in and took it away from the people who created it and monetized it so they could make money off of it. But the guy who created it could not make money off of it, which seemed wholly unfair to me. So I refused to recommend it to people. Um, but then lawyers that work for Lucasfilm stepped in and told the lawyers that work for Disney to let this guy have his movie back as long as he doesn't make money off of it. So now it's back up on YouTube for free. Nobody makes any money off of people watching it, but I recommend that people watch it because it's pretty cool. And it's basically just like 15 minutes long and it's Vader kind of adjusting to life as Vader just after his turn. So he's kind of like dealing with the pain of knowing that he killed Padme and learning to obey the his new boss and stuff. It's not, you know, like it's 15 minutes long. It's not plot heavy, but it looks really good. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. And we don't get enough stuff like this. So I was pretty happy with how it turned out. And uh, people should watch it if they're interested in Star Wars fan films. But I can't tell you. I can't tell you whether you should be interested in Star Wars fan films or not. But if you have any interest in them, I think this is a, a good one. I think it's. I'm not. I'm not against Star Wars fan films, but I'm always weirded out that people spend like twenty thousand dollars to do these fan films and then can't do anything with them whatsoever. Yeah, like I don't. I obviously don't have the numbers, but. Like the implication from the guy who made this is that it cost quite a bit, like significantly more than twenty thousand dollars. And he had approached Lucasfilm and asked, like, like I know, I know, I can't make money off your property, but can I like just crowdfund just to cover the cost? And they're like, no, can't even do that. And then he's like, well, can I like monetize it on YouTube just until I make enough money back to cover my costs? No. Yeah. And then he puts it up, and then. (laughs) 
Disney lawyers come in and they say, yeah, technically you didn't use any of our stuff, but the re-recording of the, like the music you used is too close to the actual music, even though you paid somebody to record that music separately and you didn't use the music from the actual movie. It sounds too similar, so we're taking it. And yeah, I, I, it was, I, this. And I, like I think he, I don't know, whatever. Like you only get one side of the story in situations like this because Disney doesn't have a lot to say about it, right? Mm-hmm. But like he implied that Disney probably made like hundred grand uh, in the few days that they had this like monetized, and he's like, imagine what that could have done for me because I'm not Disney, like. It's, I'm a guy that makes YouTube videos for a living. Like I could probably have really, really used that money. Yeah, and once again, it's the, it's one of those situations where Disney could just monetize it and give him a small percentage, and you know he would be perfectly happy with that. I'm and sure he yeah. would make money, and he would make money. But Disney's like, no, we make all the money, or everyone makes no money. Yeah, and in the interest of fairness, he did make the film, I guess knowing that he would never be able to make a penny off of it. So he still chose to do it. Great. But then for them to come in and try to make money off of it seems pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. It also seems super weird to me, though, that like Disney lawyers and Lucasfilm lawyers can't learn to get along. <laughs> How are they not on the same page? Doesn't, doesn't one of those law firms own the other law firm now or something? I don't understand it. But... Anyways, it's not. Yeah, I mean... Of all things, it is one of the good things that George Lucas did, where he basically was just like, yeah, if you want to make films, go ahead, just don't. You can't make any money off of them. Just, which is fair, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm really not really sure why I brought that one up, other than I kind of like that YouTube page, and I want that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I go to learn my useless shit. Like, they have a whole video on there about... Uh, the different fighting styles that you can why like Anakin used one fighting style but Obi-Wan used a different one and there's seven different types of lightsaber fighting and which one did each one use and stuff and I find stuff like that fascinating that that, that there's actual canon answers to those types of questions is fascinating to me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read it all myself but I'll watch a five minute YouTube clip where somebody else did all the work and tells me what it is um, what else did I watch uh, Watchmen. I did. Re- I rewatched Watchmen for the first time in a while. But you only watched the director's cut. Come on. All right. Well, I only had. <laughs> I only had one day within which to watch this movie, so I had to pick a cut that was reasonably length at just over three hours or whatever it is. <laughs> that is true. I was really regretting it at the end too, because it was pretty late at night, and I'm like, God damn, I should be in bed. <laughs> but I'm not because I'm up here. I'm not watching, turning this off because I really like Watchmen. Um, it's kind of a controversial movie. I think a lot of people don't like it. Like purists of the mm-hmm. fans of the original graphic novel don't like it. But I like it, and I am also a fan of the graphic novel. But I understand that if you do the original ending of plopping a giant green alien in the middle of New York City, that it's going to be a little hokey. Yeah, so I'm I, fine with sort of the workaround that they came up with. I think, yeah, I think people sometimes want comic books directly translated onto screen, but when you do that, you get Punisher Warzone, which is not a very popular movie. So <laughs> it's one of those funny things where I think you have to adjust the way you tell your story to the medium in which 
case you're telling it. Well, and I, I get that they changed the ending with Watchmen, but besides that one major change, it's one of the most faithful adaptations that's ever been done. Like, I mean, some of yeah. those scenes are, if you take the comic book frame and look at it and then look at the TV, you'll be like, Jesus Christ, they like every yeah. little detail. Which, yeah. from what I heard, was pretty much Zack Snyder's thing on set. Like, he literally had the frames that would just hold them up and be like, okay, yeah, we're good. Which is probably why Zack Snyder was able to make a good comic book movie is because he didn't try to write his own story. Or, <laughs> That's like, very just, true. Yeah, like he just said, oh, look, they already wrote a story. I'll just do that. And if he was, if he would have done that with his future projects, they might have turned out better. It's, it's like the one thing that saves him in arguments because I'll... I'll go on a Zack Snyder rant, and they'll be like, but he made Watchmen, and I'll be like, ah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Fuck. So not everything he made was shit. Just almost everything he made is shit. Yeah. No, but it, I mean, it, 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 it really, really sticks to the original story. Like you say, the visuals look just like the comic in, for the most part. And I just, I think, I think that's why it's successful is because you had a good story and you didn't fuck it up. Mm. Didn't you didn't try to change it and make it seem more like a movie. Yeah, and there's no way to like you can't translate the broody inner monologue shit very well. I mean they they kind of literally do it with Rorschach, but he's the only yeah. one that that works with. I mean it's just such a that comic book is such a fucking task like it's not an easy read. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you're used to regular superhero comics and you try to read Watchmen, you're going to be like, what in the sweet fuck kind of novel comic is this? Like, there's so much, so much well, depth. Well, the funny thing is, when Amanda decided she wanted to start reading some comic books, the first thing she went to was Watchmen. Jesus. And I'm like, you're starting at the top of the mountain. Yeah. You're not easing yourself in at all. I actually did the same thing. Uh, when when the movie came out, I went and tracked down the graphic novel, which I'd never heard of prior to the movie, and uh, was like, eh, I haven't read a comic since I was a little kid. Let's start with this. Yeah. And I'm like, as I'm picking it up, going, seems heavier than I remember comics being. Like, <laughs> It's written by a wizard, goddammit. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah. I don't have time to watch any longer cuts of it, so I won't. Be, I won't be reviewing it again next week because we have movies to watch for the podcast next week, and I can't watch <laughs> the extended cut and and anything else that week. So yeah, the ultimate cut with the Black Freighter stuff put back in. Yeah, I watched that once when mm-hmm. it was first released, I think. And I uh, I didn't I refused to even buy Watchmen because I knew that was coming out. So I'm like, I'm just gonna wait. So, so that's the only version you have. Yeah. So you can only watch it if you have the day off work. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it? Do you know off the top of your head? It's gotta uh, be. I want to say like hours. I want to say like four hours. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Let's see if I can figure it out. I still haven't ever sat down and watched it, but I want to. I'm trying to remember, like when I, I'm trying to, like I think I watched it. And I must have done it. I wouldn't have sat for four hours. I must have done it in stints. 
which would defeat the whole purpose. You might as well just watch them. Uh, three and a half hours. Is that all? Yeah. That's not too bad, then. Yeah, it's like 335 is what it says on Amazon. That's still a lot. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, let's see here. I went and saw the movie Destroyer. You guys heard of that one? Nope. New movie? New movie in theaters now. Oh, no, I have no idea. So, this is what this was the hook that got me. It's your typical, like, grizzled old cop who gets, like, dragged back in to, to an old case, and the whole movie is being told, like, okay, so here's, like, day-to-day going through the shit, and, like, the old drunk cop who doesn't feel like dealing with his problems anymore, but is still, like, hooked because it involves this old case that was really personal to them. And then, meanwhile, you're getting the flashbacks to the old case as well. Pretty typical cop stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Except the cop is Nicole Kidman, and that was made me curious enough that I had to go see it. And what's super fucking weird is that she's really good in the movie. She <laughs> plays this, like, grizzled old, like, worn-down cop who's been being a cop for, like, 20 years or whatever really well. And I'm like, the fuck? That's weird that she's good at this. Does she pull a, I'm getting too old for this shit? Not quite, but pretty much. So it's, yeah, so like it is literally like it's her, and then look in, they've got her like not old in, not old age makeup, but like she's got like bloodshot eyes most of the time. Her hair is always messy and shit. And she's wearing like jeans and a leather jacket all the time. And then flashback to like when they do the flashback to the original case that kind of set her on this dark path, she looks like herself. And you're like, oh, well, those don't look, those barely look like the same person. <laughs> so it was a pretty impressive performance. The movie itself is pretty much, like, most of it is pretty typical as far as the, uh, as far as the story goes. And then they do a weird twist thing at the end that's completely unnecessary and kind of dumb and probably would have been cool if they'd done it in 1992 when nobody else had done stuff like that before, but now everybody does it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's If you're into that kind of thing, I'd, I'd probably see it just because it's like, oh, it's neat that they got her doing that instead of, you know, Charles Bronson or something. I know that Charles <laughs> Bronson's dead now, but they have, they have that look alike, so they could... <laughs> This summer, starring Charles Bronson's shambling corpse. (laughs) I keep seeing new posters for new movies that guy's in that are totally Charles Bronson movies. Of course. What's going to be his career? Yeah, that's how I do. That's his life now. Yep, and everybody's going to make (laughs) I'm in Charles Bronson movies, even though he's dead. Yeah, everybody's going to make fun of him for it like he's some kind of a loser, and secretly we all know his job's better than our job. So. That's true. <laughs> We're all like, well, it's, it's like he could be doing what I do. He could, he could have to go to my cubicle every day. <laughs> uh, all right. So last thing I watched, I finally got around to Hereditary, which is the... Yeah. The recent, recently snubbed by the Oscars movie that everybody's upset that it's not nominated for Best Picture and Best Actress and Best Whatever Else. Mm-hmm. Um, this is gonna go. This is gonna go one of two ways because it's the only two ways it can go. 
people either really like this movie or they absolutely fucking hate it. So I'm curious which which direction you're going to go. Oh, I'm going to blow your fucking mind because I yeah. thought it was pretty good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Hot. But I've, I've actually already been catching shit for this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was... I thought I did... Okay, so I thought it, it did... A, pretty good job of maintaining a cool atmosphere, like a really dark, creepy atmosphere throughout the movie. I thought much of the acting was very good, which is kind of an accomplishment for horror movies. Um, The visuals, for the most part, were excellent. You know? Um, So that's all the good stuff. I think there is one actor in the movie. You guys seen it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so the the son, who is a major part of the movie, uh, I hated his fucking acting. And <laughs> so here's the thing: first of all, he doesn't look anything like the other family members, mm-hmm. and he's a terrible actor. So I'm like, you didn't cast him because he looks like he could be Tony Collette and uh, Gabriel Byrne's kid, and you didn't cast him because he's a good actor. So why, like, why did you hire this kid? Is he the director's son or something? I don't know. But I, I really didn't like him, and that's very problematic because he's very central to the movie. Um, so that was one major problem I had. There was also, as much as the visuals were good throughout most of the movie, there were two or three times where they just decided to throw in random visual flares that serve no purpose. So there's one like where they're at a funeral scene. And for some reason, when they pan down, the camera goes right underground and you see the dirt. And that serves no purpose except to pull you out of the movie and remind you that you're looking at a camera instead of at the real world. And there was like another one where I think it was just, I think it was like just a typical like outside shot of the house and they do like, okay, it's dark and now it's going to be light. So we know it's the next day, but they do like a hard cut and it like corresponds with like a musical note to let you know, like hard cut. It's the next day now. And I'm like, well, that just pulled me right out of the movie and really cut off the atmosphere for two seconds. And now I have to get back into it instead of continuing to roll with it. It also sounds like some art house bullshit. A little bit, yeah. And and a lot of the movie comes close to that, but doesn't cross the line, right? Like a lot of the movie is like these close-ups of these little like dioramas that the main character makes for a living, which is raises all sorts of questions about whether adults can actually make a living building dioramas. But I wasn't worried about that because I'm not expecting it to be too realistic because it's a ghost story. Um, But yeah, I thought most of that stuff was... Most of the visuals were good, except there was those couple of moments that just pulled you right out of it. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And my other complaint is just that the first almost hour of the movie, not that much happens. And something should have been happening, <laughs> or the movie should have been shorter, one or the other. Mm, I thought the stuff with them dealing with the grandma's death and like the mom's in the attic and she shuts off the light and then, then looks like the grandma's like standing right there. I thought that was kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah, it was a creepy moment. Yeah. But you could have taken that time to either get to know the characters a lot better or have some storyline going on. Because the one thing I, did, I noticed was, like, the, the dad, the Gabriel Byrne character, he's, like, not uh, 
not very well developed. He's almost non-existent in the first half of the movie. And then he's kind of a background character for the second half of the movie. And you're like, he becomes important in the third act. And you're like, well, that would have had a better impact if we'd gotten to know him during that first act when everybody was just spending a lot of time moping around and we had lots of time to get to know all these characters. Like we should have taken time to get to know him as well rather than just, I don't know. It, it just, it felt like maybe that first act was a bit wasted. Again, it looked good. The atmosphere worked. There were some creepy moments that one you're pointing to with the grandmother in the attic, I thought worked really, really well, but you could have easily used that same visual and that same effect later in the movie and had that creepy moment without having to have your movie be over two hours long. Yeah, for sure. I'm not, I definitely agree. There's stuff they could have trimmed out of there. Yeah. So yeah, like I, like I thought it was good and that we don't need the emails to like people should email in. <laughs> we get one email every six months, so I shouldn't be discouraging it, but you know, like you don't need to tell me that it was, that it was a good movie. I understand it. It's a good movie. I recommend if you're into horror movies and ghost stories and stuff, you should watch it. Um, but I'm a little confused when people are like saying it should be nominated for picture of the year and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I don't. I don't agree with picture of the year. I do think Tony Collette did an amazing performance. She did really good. And I'm surprised. Well, I shouldn't say surprised because they never nominate horror movies for anything. But I'm kind of bummed that she didn't get more recognition for her performance in that movie. Yeah, I, I don't care who wins the Oscars. That none of that matters to me at all. So I don't really either. But it, if I hear someone's nominated, I'm like, oh, that's good. And then I kind of forget about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yes, her performance is quite good. Um, come to think of it, I don't really like either of the kids or any of the other teenage characters that show up. And that, like, in the beginning, we spend a lot of time following the kids around as they go to school and stuff, and I don't like any of their friends. I don't like that girl that they play up like as if that guy's gonna, the son is going to have a relationship. I don't think that character does anything to warrant the amount of screen time she gets. Mm-hmm. So... Like okay, so minor spoiler for people who haven't seen it, but the opening of the movie starts with the grandmother being killed, and then a little while later, as the the teenage son is going off to a party, and the mom is, forces him to take his sister so that she'll get out of the house, and and uh, forget the oh the sister eats like a nut or something so that she's allergic to, mm. so the older brother is trying to rush her to the hospital and. And if there's ends up being a car accident, I won't get into the details because it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> and people will probably enjoy it if they watch it. But, you know, she ends up dead. And all that lead up time is just like, yeah, the visuals are great for the kill and stuff. But all that lead up time is just, it's a lot of like watching these teenagers at a party and stuff. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like, there's no ghosts at this party. Why are we at this party? Um, so they could have maybe and this might be a problem of it's a writer director that made it maybe they needed somebody to come in and say okay you did a good job writing or you did a good job directing but we need somebody to come in and edit this down to a little make it a little quicker paced in the beginning not in the not in the second half just in the first half because in the second half i think even even though it moves at sort of the same pace it's earning it more because there's more interesting things happening so i don't know that's uh, that's my take on it. Um, 
I, I know that there are going to be people who are angry with me for not loving the movie and thinking it's the best movie ever made. And I can live with that, I guess. I don't have much choice. I, I, yeah, like, there's just, it seems like people, like I, the hype just isn't warranted to me, but that doesn't mean I don't, didn't like the movie. It just means, mm. I don't know. Yeah, I really enjoy it, but I do think some people are going way over the top with uh, how much they love it. I have been referred to as one of those for complaining about the kids acting. <laughs> so apparently there's more than just me out there. And I did see a meme where this that implied he's the, taken over from Tobey Maguire as the most fake crier in movie history. <laughs> nice. Uh, anything else? Um, no, that is it, I believe. All right. Uh, let's see. A couple things I watched. Uh, as I mentioned, I watch uh, Unbreakable. Still good. Um, splits. Uh, I feel like James McAvoy should have been nominated for something because his separate performance for all of his personalities was fantastic. Um, <laughs> talk about them in one continuous thing, but I watched both of the Fire Festival documentaries. Okay. Oh my God, this thing! I mean, I knew <laughs> I knew it was a train wreck when it happened, and hearing. This stuff on the documentary is just baffling to people to me. So, for people that lived under a rock, the Fire Festival was supposed to be this luxury music festival. So that means tickets were like ten, twelve thousand dollars a piece to go, and it's like you're going to get this super awesome, like uh, two-person luxury tent on the beach or whatnot. And uh, gourmet food and, like, all this other stuff. Uh, people show up on the first day, and it's, like, freaking, like, FEMA tents set up. Uh, shit was going wrong, so people literally got cheese sandwiches as their dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and people were, like, freaking out, and it was hilarious. There is a... There, then it turns out like none of the musical musical acts were going to show up, so the whole thing got canceled after the first day. Awesome. And there's a shot where they they go to uh, I think it's it's either on Conan or they it's on the Tonight Show, and somebody's asking comedian Ron Funches about it, <laughs> and he starts laughing and says, "Hey, if you paid ten thousand dollars to see Blink One Eighty Two." That that's all on you. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some truth to that. But, yeah, I was going to say, that's that's pretty much what most people feel, because while I, I feel bad for people getting ripped off and that kind of stuff, yeah. at the same time, these are the type of people that can afford $12,000 for a concert ticket, so fuck them. Fuck them right <laughs> in their face. Like... Uh. F fuck you and fuck your shitty concert. I'm I'm glad it sucked. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, the documentaries are sort of how this whole thing came together, and uh, this kid uh, Billy McFarland, who essentially has turned out to just be a giant scam artist, this is now in jail for six years uh, because of it. Um, <laughs> he legitimately was trying to put on this festival but did not want to even think about anything outside of sort of the um uh superficial stuff 
So, and then they announced they were doing it four months before they were supposed to do it, which is not enough time to get a lux- luxury film festival or a luxury music festival set up. Uh, and then I think like two weeks before, someone's like, do we have any sort of bathrooms set up for this? And everybody was just sort of like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And it's like, it's it's a week away. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not when you're supposed to be figuring it out. Because uh, the whole thing, it was on a... Uh, Caribbean island in the Bahamas or whatever. Yeah. As well. To which they lost their island and had to find another one. Like, very quickly. And they basically just set up in, a, in like a uh, stone quarry or something on the island, like right down the, down the way from like the Sandals Beach Resort. So the whole thing was just a giant clusterfuck. And just hearing the stories of everything that's going on with people bringing up shit like, hey, we need bathrooms, and nobody's taking care of it, you're just like, this is the biggest fucking stupidest thing ever. It does and seem again, like somebody should probably go to jail for that. Yeah. Well, he got, yeah, he got busted and sentenced to six years of federal prison. Um, so he got arrested, and then, you know, they set up the hearing or whatever. While he was out on bail, he set up another scam where they were supposedly him and whoever else he got to work with them setting up that they were selling VIP tickets to all these events. And then people would, you know, buy these tickets and then show up. And uh, it turns out they weren't on the waiting list. And then so then it's like, what the fuck? So, but he was selling shit to like the Met Gala which you can't buy tickets for. It's not open to the public. So he was like completely scamming people out of money. He was doing this while he was out on bail for his other problems. So I don't know if he ever got more charges for that one afterwards. I hope so. Me too. Because if you watch this documentary, he's the biggest fucking douchebag you've ever seen in your entire life. Well, that's it. Sounds like that second one is even worse because he's directly scamming. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, oh, I got in over my head element to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. You should definitely watch them. I prefer the Netflix one over the Hulu one. But if if some entrepreneurial person out there wants to edit both of them into one giant documentary, I think you would have a pretty good overview of the entire situation. Kind of sounds like uh, what's his face, the guy from uh, your other podcast you guys talk about, the, uh, the oh, guy yeah, who's setting up the challenge things and then kind of screwed everybody. It wasn't as bad as that, but you're not wrong. Well, he's just a low rent version, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, fire fraud and fire uh, the greatest party that never happened. If you are even remotely interested in that whole situation, um, they're definitely worth a watch. Because I went into it like, oh, I want to see all these rich people get mad because they got fucking scammed. And that's exactly what you get, too. It's fantastic. Uh, All right. And then the last thing I watched, or actually not the last thing, the other thing I watched is called The Discovery, uh, which is a Netflix movie. With uh, Jason Siegel and Robert Redford. That's a so, weird combination. 
So, I mean, it's a, it's a dramatic movie. Robert Redford's like a scientist who claims to have uh, proof that there is an afterlife. And once he announces this, uh, suicide starts skyrocketing all across the world. All right. And Jason Siegel's character is his son who then, like, you know, couldn't believe his dad, you know, said all this, doesn't necessarily 100% believe that there is proof of the afterlife. So he hasn't talked to him in, like, forever. And then this takes place, like, five years later, something like that. And he's come back to uh, to his dad's thing. And he feels like his dad's almost built like this cult because he's got all these people at his sort of compound like that believe in everything he's doing. And now he claims to have a machine that can record images from the afterlife. And Jason Segel keeps telling him, like, if you, you can't release this because if you do, like, it's going to make everything even worse. People are just going to kill themselves to get to the next level. You know, whatever you want to call that. Um, and on his way there on a ferry, he meets a girl played by Rooney Mara who uh, her son died or whatever. And then she goes to the beach and tries to commit suicide. And of course he stops her and then she comes to stay with them. And then they started a whole romantic side story, whatever. Um, and then she maybe starts getting wrapped up in the weird culty stuff kind of going on. So she's obviously grieving over having lost a child. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I don't know if it was executed very well. Uh, from what I remember, I felt like it was really long. And it didn't need to be. Uh, and then ultimately by the end, it was just sort of like, yeah, all right, I guess. But eh, I mean, it's not horrible. It's not great, but I feel like it could have been done better. Um, and then the very last thing I watched was Polar with Mads Mikkelsen. Oh, okay. I really want to watch that. Uh, I'll say it's good, but it has a weird tonal problem. So Mads, of course, is a uh, assassin who is getting ready to retire. And whatever, you know... Uh, mysterious uh, company that he works for. Uh, apparently, when you when you work for them, you give so much of your payment to to them, and they basically hold on to it for you. And then he has like eight million dollars, like saved up. So when he retires, they'll give him his eight million dollars, and then he'll be good for the rest of his life and won't need anything. But this corporation has decided, well, I mean, technically, if he dies before his retirement date, we don't have to give him anything, and we, we can keep it. So, of course, they start sending all these assassins after him to kill him, and uh, that way they won't have to pay him his $8 million. But it turns out, of course, he's like the greatest assassin of all time. So this was a really stupid idea on their part. Um, and he stays at like this cabin in Montana, makes friends with Vanessa Hudgens, who lives across the lake. And she's just like this young girl that I don't know, has obviously had some trouble in her past. And, you know, he doesn't understand why uh, she's living there, but they kind of strike up a friendship. And 
such. Now, the problem is, the Mads Mikkelsen stuff plays very much like a John Wick type thing, which is fine. The villains feel like they're the villains out of a trauma movie. Like, they're just loud and obnoxious and, like, everything's brightly colored whenever it shows them. Whereas the Mads Mikkelsen stuff is always really stark and, like, washed out. And so they're going around trying to find him and they're going to all these places and just acting like fucking crazy people. And it's just a very weird shift going back and forth in the movie is the from, is the main bad guy the fat british guy from those weird like uh yes yeah those the little sketch comedies mm. you know what i'm talking about uh yeah he was on doctor who last couple seasons ago and uh he played rebel wilson's twin brother in bridesmaids yeah what yeah. In the fuck yeah and he wears this really weird, like, wig that gives him, like, like rock star hair. Like, standing straight up on end, pretty much. It's, I like thought I said... That, I thought that, too, that was, and I was like, so it's John Wick versus Mugatu from Zoolander. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> it's just a very weird shift. Like, the tonal stuff is just very strange, and I'm like, how is this in the same movie? Like, I don't understand. But, I mean, that being said, it's not a horrible movie. It's just the tonal shift back and forth. You kind of have to be okay. Like, okay, I, I understand this is happening. So I'll just go along with it. And then everything's kind of, like, pretty decent. It is left open to maybe doing a sequel. So I don't know. I don't know what uh, what their plans are. Because apparently it's based on a graphic novel, which I've never read. So, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's Netflix, so essentially it's a free movie to watch. So I say if you're remotely interested, give it a watch. But, um, yeah, it's, it's got tonal problems, and that's about it. Sounds super weird. It is. And then it's funny because yeah, this movie's called Polar, and there's, like, lots of snow and stuff in it. And then he's going to be in a movie called Arctic that's coming out in theaters. That's like a survival, like I'm stuck out in the snowy wilderness and I have to survive type movie. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Doug, why don't you tell us what we're doing next week? Uh, well, next week's a bit of a sad week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to be doing a bit of a tribute episode to the legendary Dick Miller who passed away. Uh, just a couple of days ago as we're recording this. Yeah. Um, so kind of started looking at his IMDb and going through all 182 acting credits. <laughs> um, we, we debated just doing Chopping Mall again. Um, but I think in order to, to appreciate Dick Miller, you got to go with some of his better, his best roles and his bigger roles. Uh, so we'll be discussing Gremlins and Piranha, mm-hmm. which... Uh, minor, minor spoiler alert: we, We're going to rec- we're going to get six recommends for whether you <laughs> watch the movies or not. <laughs> but uh, I think it's going to be fun to discuss those movies. And I I, I don't know. My three hundredth time watching Gremlins might be yeah. the one that changes my mind. <laughs> <sighs> I guess we could have done uh, Demon Knight. I didn't think about that. 
We could have done Gremlins too as well. That's true. We could have done a lot of stuff. <laughs> Talk about Big Miller. Um, really, just the, it, it, it was one of those moments. Like I think I, it was actually you, Brian, that posted something to like Facebook or wherever that yeah. I saw the first headline, and I'm like, no. And I checked, and I'm like, it is true. I don't want yeah. that to be true. I, like I mean, he was 90 years old. So yeah, it's not a surprise. You just don't ever want the day to happen. Yeah, because in my head, he still looks like he did in Gremlins. Because I just assume that's what he <laughs> looked like forever. And the guy was in Gremlins and Terminator in the same year. Uh, He's the guy that gave Schwarzenegger that. That was like one of my favorite scenes in Terminator too. When I was a kid, and back when he used to watch movies a hundred times, mm -hmm. so I saw Terminator so many times, and that was one of my favorite scenes. He's like, "Hey, yeah, uh, can't load that gun in here." And then he just shoots him. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. anyways, uh, that's that's what we'll be doing next week. Hopefully, it'll be fun. <laughs> now I'm all nervous. No, it's not gonna like gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've liked so, it every other time I've watched it, but you never know. I've been kicking myself because <laughs> I didn't get to gremlins at Christmas time this year. So, oh, see. We We're in a polar vortex, so it's a good time to watch it. Yeah, we can have a big debate about whether it's a Christmas movie or not. It's also been a long time since I've seen uh, the good Piranha movie. The good Piranha movie? I think it's one of like seven good Piranha movies <laughs> if you go through the list. Well, all Piranha movies are good Piranha movies. I'm just saying it's it's probably one of the legitimately good piranha movies <laughs> as opposed to the other ones that are the ones. Awesome for completely other reasons. Yeah. Are you saying you didn't like Piranha Double D? You know what? I don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good, but it's good. It's <laughs> Piranha 3D I thought was actually pretty good, but <laughs> Piranha Double D it was not good. Piranha Double D knew exactly what it was trying to be. And it was it. You go in getting. You'd go in knowing what you what you're going in for, and you get exactly what you deserve. <laughs> but Dave Keckner, I love Dave Keckner. I know. Only Dave Keckner could come up with the idea of like, let's have a water park and strippers. <laughs> and you're like, did Dave Keckner just pitch this as the movie? And they're like, you're right. You're right. This needs to be the movie. Yeah, uh, that also just needs to be a thing in real life where, <laughs> where just the best bachelor parties of all time happen. That's what that needs to be. <laughs> every time you try to plan something, Dave Keckner comes walking in from another room. Tell you what, guys. <laughs> let, me, let me just break this down. 35 dinosaur costumes. 12 prostitutes. <laughs> little bit of cocaine. Let's go. <laughs> you don't have to give me a minute with that one. <laughs> Trying to piece this together and figure out whether I'm happy with that or not. <laughs> not me. I'd be like, sure enough, Dave Keckner, let's go. <laughs> right, Dave Keckner. You know, if anybody if anyone else suggested this, I think uh <sighs> probably be upset with them, but you know, since it's you, Dave Keckner. <laughs> And we say yes, and he's just like, whammy! <laughs> Dave, Dave Keckner, is this a horror movie or a porno? Yes. <laughs> Those lines are blurry, my child. 
Uh, does everybody remember he used to be on SNL back in the day? Well, I don't think I do remember that. He was he was on one season of those weird transitional seasons of SNL. Mm. Just blew everybody's mind. Well, what was his best sketch when he was on SNL? Uh, him and Mark McKinney from uh, Kids in the Hall used to play like those. Uh, was it like the powdered wig guys on the news segments? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah. Like I said, it was one of those weird seasons that I think like Sandler and Farley and all of them had left like the season before. And so they were trying to like build up their cast again and then just hired a bunch of people. And then, yeah. And then they were gone the next season. Because there was like that super weird thing too, where Spade stuck around like one season mm-hmm. longer than everybody else, and he was just like awkwardly <laughs> fit in because he only ever fits in if he's with that, s- that same group of guys. <laughs> yeah, and he only did like uh, uh, called like what was it Spade in America, where it was essentially the Hollywood Minute, but for like five minutes. Yeah, and I think Jennifer Aniston came on and made fun of him. Yeah, <laughs> told him he, he regretted not leaving with Farley and Sandler. Yeah. See, he was like, he would do the joke where he'd be like, oh, I liked this when it came out like three years ago. And he'd make fun of stuff that was like clearly ripping off other things. And the joke was, he's like, he got Jennifer Aniston to read the line that said, yeah, that Friends show, that's pretty funny. I liked it five years ago when it was called Seinfeld. <laughs> she's like, that's just mean. That's like, she's like, and I forget what it was, but she, yeah, she pulled off the old, you should have left. <laughs> you should have left with Sandler and Farley. I think was the, the line. <laughs> yeah, wasn't like not so much haha mean, but like you should have left with Farley and Sandler mean. Or something yeah, like that. <laughs> some of that effect. Mm. Uh, We're really struggling hard. Right? This one <laughs> SNL bit from ten years ago or fifteen years ago or whatever it was. Uh, I actually uh, watched Hulu has uh, season one of SNL on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I went back and watched a couple of those. And first of all, it's weird how different it was that like the Muppets were a regular thing on there. <laughs> oh yeah, do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that Jesus fuck it, the original cast of Saturday Night Live, like there's one guy you don't recognize, and every other fucking person went on to be like a giant superstar. <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's, just, ever- it's intense. Have you ever read uh, Live from New York at Saturday Night? No, I have not. It's definitely worth the read. It's just interviews with everybody who worked on the show. And they were talking about how essentially their floor in the Rockefeller building, executives refused to go to their floor. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, it would just be pot smoke and then people doing coke off the desks. And that is pretty much 24-7. That sounds about right, especially since uh, most of those people were all poached from uh, National wow. Lampoon, and those mm. guys were all coke fiends. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Yep. So when are we starting a Saturday Night Live cast? It's a detailed breakdown of every episode of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. You know what yeah. the worst thing is? That would be a hard fucking show to do. Because there's a whole bunch of seasons that you just can't fucking get your hands on. I don't yeah. really fucking get it. It like the Chris Catan years and stuff. 
those do not exist. And it's like SNL purges them from like YouTube and stuff. They're not on Hulu? No. Hulu has like seasons one to five. And then season eight, there's only one episode because it jumps from five to eight. And then it jumps all the way to like season 35. That's super weird. Yeah, it's, it's really odd. Do you know what's happening though right now? We're becoming the first podcast to ever complain because they can't manage to see Chris Catan and something. <laughs> <laughs> first time this has ever happened. We've, well, we've done yeah, but Will, Will Ferrell was around then too. I've looked for him for a bunch of times because uh, Chris Catan used to do the Goth Talk skits. Oh yeah, Goth Talk was fucking hilarious. The fucking the one with Steve Buscemi as the creepy janitor. <laughs> <laughs> hey kids, I can't find my pants. Ah, Tony Maloney's naked. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.